Welcome to Free Fall RC Podcast. No wonder I got a pee. By the end of the show. Yeah. Yeah, I'm drinking like various times throughout the show. Alright, I guess let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Free Fall RC Podcast. Hi, I'm Steve, and here with me is Kevin. Hey, guys. Today we have episode 21, Rebuilding Helicopters. I kind of wanted to do this episode uh, ever since I started overhauling my Goblin 380, and I know Kevin recently got a, a Goblin 570 that he's been working on, so... Yes. Yes. Finally getting the big helis. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, like, excited and nervous to fly it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a Kyle Stacey edition, right? So it's a three-bladed head and everything? Yeah. Yep. Okay, yeah. So it just has even more of a presence and danger aspect to it with the extra blade spinning around it. You well, know. don't tell me that. <laughs> no, nah, you'll be fine. Um, you're used to three-bladed heads from your Oxy. And- yeah, and I was thinking today, dude, I was thinking I want to do the first thing I want to do is put it up at a reasonable height. And flip it over inverted, and I want to see if it makes that same noise that my my oxy cube makes when it flips over. I think it's pilot less than the heli. <laughs> well, it does it every time, so how can it be the pilot? Because you do the flips the same every time. Oh, I don't know. I'm just joking. I'm just. I notice that it does that when I'm inverted and I'm doing a really slow like punch out, like lift up on it. It it does that. It just starts to do that noise, and it keeps doing it. Like, slow. So for our fans that um, might not know what we're talking about is uh, Kevin's Oxy 3 Cube plus the stretch one, the 285 millimeter one, when he flips it inverted, it, like, makes this weird noise where it's like, brrr, like it growls. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like it starts to make the, you know, normal blade noise, but then at the end it's like it gets bassy. Like, it's weird. Yeah. Uh, I I thought yours did it too. Mine does, but not. It's not as pronounced. Like it's it's just like a little, you know, like like you know, yours is that. yours is two fifty five. Also, yeah. your blades are smaller. Yeah, so the blades are smaller, and you know, it's not stretched. So the, the overall heli is a little bit smaller too. Um, so I don't know if that plays into it. I, maybe it's the zeal blades because I'm I'm using the zeal blades, but not the um, I don't know what they call them. The energy blade, I think, the ones that have like the the color scheme up top and they're white while mine are all black with like white lettering and stuff oh i didn't even notice that man yeah so i'm using a different type of zeal blade oh and so i'm could be using the oh yeah 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 because i'm using the colored ones right so i mean maybe something to do to do with that i'm not sure um i think when i flew it it still made the same noise though yeah but i, I don't feel like it, it makes it as long and loud like it's just like a little bit at the end well because i like to do the yeah i like to do the 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 back flips more or less to get inverted you do the front flips yeah so i don't know if you hear it that much the front flips Hmm. we should test that next time we go to the field and i like to pitch up and kind of like get the blade the main blade like perpendicular to the ground and like kind of sit there for half a second or whatever or whatever however long and as mm-hmm. it starts falling i kind of like just flip it back over and then i'm yeah. inverted are you really gentle with your collective like you don't pop it right so you you flip it over and you slowly start moving it yeah. negative yeah okay maybe it's something to do with that too because usually like 
I'll flip it and I'll just kind of like tap it down negative and then kind of put the stick in the middle and find like where the heli is hovering upside down. Yeah, yeah. Very good. So, hmm. All right. Well, how's your week been? Uh, it's been good, man. It's been freaking busy, dude. It's all it's always busy, dude. These weeks, it's great though because you know the, the work weeks go by pretty fast. Mm-hmm. I've been doing a lot of uh, work on a little special project that I got, and I three D printed some some connector pieces for the landing gear. Anybody knows that? I mean, it's it's kind of getting to the point where everybody knows what kind of era it's from, and so it's it's back in the old days where they had wood and landing gear and. And stuff like that. There was no retracts back in those days. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so I printed up, like, braces or, I don't know, I kind of modeled it up in, in uh, 1, 2, 3D. And then I just printed the stuff out and kind of mocked it up. It came out really cool. Yeah, it looked know, awesome. What, what did you think? It looked good, right? Yeah, it really looked good. Uh, what what wood are you using? Is that, like, half-inch square dolls? That was um, some oak I had left over, I think, and I just ripped it down. It's like half by quarter. Ah, uh, okay. For this for this scale. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what I'm gonna use for the large one. I mean really it's it adds some weight, but it's not that much. I mean Two by fours? Two by fours, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two by two? <laughs> I don't know. I'm looking at I'm looking at a lot of pictures of the actual one and, and then when I look at the one I've built, I can mm-hmm. see the differences. I can see where all right, I could, the the landing gear shouldn't be that like spread apart. Um, you know, it should be a little bit sure narrower mm-hmm. and some of the the bracing and all that should be a little bit narrower too but it's it's funny because i know i'm coming off of old plans like super old plans and i already cut the elevator down because the elevator was humongous like i cut i think an inch or two off of each side of the elevator just to make it look more scale and i don't know okay. if that's something they did back in the day you know because you know they had the uh the gas planes and they were trying to make up for the way it flew. I don't know. Make it make it easier to fly. Right. I, I don't know. You know. So it's 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 pretty interesting. And I got it all like I was. I sent you guys some text messages the other night. Like I got it all mm-hmm. mocked up with the gear on it. And I have the motor in and prop, and uh, I have to put the ESC in. But that's about it. And the receiver, the the servos are all in. And I got to do a little bit of linkages and and some more supports. But uh, the CG is almost right where it needs to be before I add the battery. So really? I, was like, I was like, yeah, I was like, that's pretty, pretty strange. But then I thought, you know, well, these plans did come from, uh, you know, probably a balsa kit that was supposed to be gas. And then you're going to have the tank, you know, pretty close to the CG, I would hope, or you would want to, you know, have it there. Right. So as it drains down, you're, you're not shifting weight around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like Michael's saying. Yeah. Yeah. So I, man, I would tried so hard to get that thing ready for this past weekend, but it just, I was it, the 3D printing just takes a lot of time, you know. Yeah, it's a slow process, but it is. Uh, but it's so worth it, man. Yeah, yeah, pretty rewarding at the end, right? And I 3D printed two wheels for it, so which look awesome. You need to paint them a little, though, like paint the the wheel part, so it's not just like a, a you know a gray color wheel plastic, you know. I don't know for this maiden uh, on this thing, I'm probably not going to paint anything. I'm probably just going to yeah. leave it and then I'm just going to start like if it it flies pretty good and I think it will. I'm just going to even if it doesn't, dude, I'm I got to build the I mean if if it flies like crap, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to you know, build <laughs> well, the other figure one out guys. figure out <laughs> why it's flying like crap and then take those design points in. Right, right. 
Move yeah. it over to the big. Don't just be like, "All right, flies like crap. Let's build the big one and have that fly like crap too." <laughs> I know, right? I was thinking about that. I was like, "Oh man," but no, I think it should fly. All right? I mean, the power to weight is going to be so, like, so crazy because the plane's going to be so light. The larger. Right. What um? What motor do you have on your your smaller one right now? Um, it's one I had laying around. I think it was going to be on the storage. So, like, I think it's a four twenty five. And the prop size, I think I'm going is at least ten inch prop. I think a ten four prop. And what's the wingspan on it? Forty seven inch. Oh, okay. So that's a pretty decent size. Uh, yeah. Plane on the the one hundred percent scale size. Wow. Nice. That much to move. Yeah, and you know I, I'm I kind of like to keep things scale. So I mean, in relationship to, the, I don't want to have like a small prop. I wanted to keep it. More or less, what it should be, you know, okay. scale wise. Wait, wait. So when you blow this up, you're gonna put in a 20 inch prop on this plane? It might be. I don't know. Oh boy, <laughs> it, it'll probably be. No, it'll probably be uh, closer to what I have on the Mustang. What's on the Mustang? Is that a 16? I think the Mustang is a 13 inch prop, which doesn't sound right. But when I had yeah. a 16 on there, it was it was way too powerful. And the, you should put the 16 on the, this plane then. Yeah. At least 16 or, I mean, depending on the pitch. But I think I had a, oh, no, what did I have? I had a 16, yeah, because I had an 8-4. I had a 16-8 mm-hmm. that I originally wanted to put on the Mustang. But when I mounted that to the motor and I had it on my bench in the garage, it was practically chasing me around the garage. It was so bad. Like, it was pulling, like, so many amps. I was like, oh, my God, this half throttle, this thing's pulling 45 amps. I'm like, oh, my God, I, you know, what am I going to do? Right. So I had to like go down a little bit in the prop. And I guess now, I just lucked out. I wonder, you know, how you're scaling everything up. You're multiplying everything by two, like your motor size, your prop size. But the pitch on the prop, does that really need to be multiplied by two? Like, you know, it's an eight by four. You went, you know, 16 by eight. But would a 16 by four be enough? Yeah, I think I think a 16 by four would be be OK or like yeah. 16 by six. I think right. you cut down on a pitch. Right, cut down on a pitch because you have so much more, you know, surface area on that prop to move the air. So it's still moving more air than obviously an eight by four. So hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. it's interesting. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know what size battery I'm gonna go, man. Six L. I I want to, but I don't know, man. Like right now I do the four in the in the Mustang and I'm all right. Mm-hmm. I don't know, dude. I have no idea. I've a hacked up six cell that became a five cell if you want to use that five cell what is it what what size it's a turner g5000 okay yeah maybe i'll try that that's yeah, yours i mean it's just sitting in my my ammo case box <laughs> in storage so I just sitting there all right maybe i'll give that a try yeah uh cool so what else i've been doing is i started rebuilding that uh middle stick or build over the one i I brought to the field, I think, the first or second time we showed up there, and I mm-hmm. lost the elevator, and it crashed and burst into flames. I still can't believe we didn't talk about that in the crash episode. Yeah, we forgot all about that. I, that's <laughs> right. Yep. You got crash of the month for it, too. <laughs> I know. Now, well, that, uh, was, that was the second one I had, I think. Uh, yeah, that was yeah. the second one. Because the first one I was flying at Green Pond, and I remember uh, flying it, and it, re- it was really cold out when I was flying it, and the wind was pretty bad coming from behind and i remember coming around to land and that thing needs like flaps or flap runs and i don't think i had either one well i definitely didn't have flaps 
but I didn't have flaperons dialed in. And I was coming around to land, and the wind just, like, either pushed it the wrong way, and it went, like, right into the ground. I, I remember cracking that in half. But I think the fuselage, I think I screwed up the wings. Fuselage was okay. I don't remember. But I'm rebuilding the whole thing now. Nice. And I just, it was weird, because I started to, um, I started to rip apart the Oxy Sport, which I'll get into. Um, and uh, I started messing around with a little special project and hot glue, and I got the hot glue gun out. And I'm like, oh, man, I got to hot glue something else. This is like, I remember back in the day when all I used to do was hot glue stuff. So I started I started layering the tape on the, on the Dollar Tree, you know, mm-hmm. sheets, and I started cutting that one out. The It's all purple. I, I call it the big purple monster because it's, for for people that don't know, it's the it's the middle stick off the flight test forums. Um, it's not a flight test plane, but it's um, it's a guy. I think uh, Mac attacks the guy, who, or no, Hot Wax is the guy's forum name who came up with this. And it's basically an ugly stick made out of Dollar Tree foam. Mm-hmm. And I've never liked those things until I built one and flew one man and. Uh, Dan Sponholtz, he he flies him, and his son Keegan was the first time I saw one flying. Was Keegan was flying it mm-hmm. at Flight Fest uh, fourteen, and that's when and he was doing three D with it and everything. I was blown away. I was like, man, this kid can really fly that plane. So I was really interested in it, and yeah, man, I had to build one, and it is. It's really it's really cool. It once I flew it, I was I was like, all right, this is a pretty cool cool plane, you know, right? But I didn't like the looks at it because it didn't look scale, you know. I kind of like. Wanted something that it just looked weird. It looked ugly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. So I can't wait to finish that. And maybe bring that out. I I don't know if the motor because I I I fried that the battery on the other one, and I don't know if the motor is okay or not. I have to check the motor out. Make sure that's all right. Yeah, I know the ESC was toast. The ESC was yeah, yeah, was burnt up a bit. Just a bit. <laughs> but then we got together Saturday, and man, I had a great time. I have a good time every time I go to the field, but uh, the weather was really nice uh, for that one day of the weekend. Brought out the the racer, and dude, I went to fly the racer, and I'm like, crap! The the I guess when I crashed, the mm-hmm. motor the motor has that little C clip on the back, and it popped off, yeah, or something. So I went to fly, and I'm I'm checking it out before I'm getting it all, you know, I'm doing my pre flight check, mm-hmm. and. Uh, the motor I pulled off right in my hands. I'm like, oh crap! So I guess I'm not flying that. And I made some changes to that one. Like I'd move the retracts forward a little bit, and I put a smaller prop on it. And I wanted to see if I could get that going. I fixed all the, you know, I broke some foam here and there on that mm-hmm. when I when I f- maidened it. Well, I maidened it and it flew all right. And then I tried to fly it again, and I think I cartwheeled it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. The last one you cartwheeled a bit. So then, well, well, to backtrack a little bit, as I'm leaving the house to go flying, I have a, I have like my garage door goes up, and where the garage door stops, I have like a row of planes hanging from the the ceiling in the garage. Mm-hmm. My garage ceiling's kind of low, and one of them's the Filkins Corsair. Um, I don't think too many people know about this plane, or they do, and they just didn't build it. But a long time ago, in a galaxy not so far away, he freaking. Um, <laughs> He, this guy Philkin put out plans to a, a Corsair, like made from Dollar Tree foam, and it's a pretty good build. Uh, and I built one, yeah, because this was Flight Fest of 2014. I brought it. It was that winter, winter of 2013, mm-hmm. 14. Uh, you know, December 2013. 
that's when I built it and we had a terrible winter up here and I masked it all off and I was doing all these detail, you know, lines on it and it came out really good, but I, I just didn't fly it that much. So I brought that thing. It, it, I have a prop saver on and what happened, the prop saver broke the, uh, the little O-ring. Right. So it fell off the holder or whatever I was, you know, had it hooked to the ceiling by the prop. So I was like, oh, maybe oh, okay. I'll take that. So I took that out and I hadn't even had it programmed into the DX9. That's how long it's been since I flew. Wow. Yeah, and it's got some weird. It's it's totally customized. Like the power pod. Yeah, it has a power pod, but it's really cut up a little bit. And like I said, it's customized. So I flew that, and that thing flew really. It flew pretty good. The yeah. motor. The motor's a 375, like Park 375. Though I got to swap that out. Because it was full throttle like the whole time. And I want to see right. that thing move a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. And I knew that when I brought it out there. But I was like, you know what? Let me just fly it and see, you know, how it's flying. If it's because I've progressed a lot since I've put that thing together. And I and I only flew it like maybe two, three times. Right. So that, that, that flew pretty good. You know, everybody kind of dug that. Yeah. Um. What else did I do? Um. Oh, geez. Crash. <laughs> How can I forget? I crashed that Oxy Sport, man. Throttle hole. And it was freaking awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My God, man. It was spectacular. I was ripping that thing around and just, it's, I don't know where I'm at as flying helis right now, dude, but it, I'm just having so much fun. Like, mm-hmm. I know how to fly. I don't know how to fly inverted yet. I'm, I'm I can kind of tool it around if I concentrate, but man, I'm just like, if I'm upside down, I'm I'm down on the you know I'm down on the collective or you know the and I'm you know if I'm negative I'm I'm negative and whatever and I'm just having a good time flipping it back and forth and doing crazy stuff and just having a ball, man. So I guess and I said that I think I said after a couple of flights I said to somebody I said I'm gonna try cutting some grass because yeah. I've been getting lower and lower with it. So I brought it in and I was I cut I you were standing there I cut a little bit of grass. Mm-hmm with the sport and I popped it up and, and I did my typical pop-up where now the, the blades like looking right at me, you know, um, mm-hmm. I can see the whole disc in front of me. It's like 90 degrees to the ground and it, it started to come down and I was pretty low and I'm like, Oh crap, that tail's going to hit the ground. And I tried to flip it back over and I think the tail did wind up hitting the ground. Yeah. You're inverted. You didn't pop it as high as you normally did. And, but you still gave it enough cyclic to start moving the heli over and, it just tapped the tail on the ground and kind of. Yeah, but after that, I couldn't tell you what I did. Like after that, I had it and then I lost it. I like just drove it right in. Yeah, I think what happened is after that, you should have landed because I think something was wrong with the heli. Oh, maybe. And then you brought it up to like 15, 20 feet and you flipped it up inverted again and you, you know, you're doing flips. And when you flipped it, something gave out and it just was like big massive well i mean it's not big but just a, a heavy little thing just coming down and hit the ground and then hit the ground again and then you throttle yeah. hold <laughs> yeah that's true yeah oh because you know yeah. what now that we're getting closer and closer to the ground it's like i don't you, you don't think about hitting throttle hold as much as you used to either oh i, I do <laughs> i don't i don't know i guess i don't know but you know what it really didn't do that it did some damage it mm-hmm. uh I think I hit the ground kind of nose first because I had the the boom strike. Yeah. And uh, I didn't break any servos, but I did twist up the feathering shaft, broke like a major part off the main gear, 
Yeah, a big chunk. Big chunk was missing. <laughs> and uh, what else did I break? I broke the like a couple of the DFC links and mm-hmm. what else did I break? I don't know. The boom, of course, I'm gonna replace. But I had most of the parts. Yeah. The only thing I might have to get is a because when when you break those DFC links, man, I I I shear the the bolt right off that holds that to the main blade grips. Right. So yeah, so I don't know if I can get that out. It's like microscopic. If I can get it out, I'll I'll be able to save it. If not, I might have to get another one. Yeah, that that's a pretty small thin bolt, right? Yeah. Okay, so it's not like you could do, you know, you cut it down with a drum and use a flathead to pull it out. Right, right. I don't know if I think I have a couple extra though from when I smashed up the the tri the tri bladed head a few times. Okay, cool. And then I came home. I think it was Sunday night and registered for Flight Fest. Yeah. Registered me, registered you, and got the camping pass. Nice. They said that Flight Fest is going to be a little run a little bit different because I was listening to a podcast the other day and mm-hmm. Andre was saying that uh, Lauren is helping out a little more and it's going to be a little bit different. So hopefully we get a good spot with a camper. I, I don't really care as long as I'm there, you know? Yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be bigger, you know? Yeah. So, like, more, you know, bigger build tents, kind of have more of those, like, the, those big party tents that they they rented. So. Well, they said they're going to have three this year, I think. Yeah. So, with with their, you know, parent company kind of funding a little bit of it, I think, uh, or backing them, I think I think it's going to be even bigger. It'll be good to see um, to see Dave again, man. I haven't seen him in, jeez. Yeah, I've never met him in person, so I would love to meet him in person and say hi. Thanks for all he's done, you know? Yeah, he's a good guy, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be cool. I just, just hope. It's a shame it, Fred's not going. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. Because uh, my, my only interaction with him, like, last time we were there was, um, it's going to rain. Hey, how you guys doing? Okay, see you. And he was yeah. off on the four-wheeler. Yeah, and then the last day, you guys are leaving, right, because it's going to rain. More or less, get your ass out of here because <laughs> we're yeah. trying to get. No, but it was the clouds are coming in, you yeah. know. But well, uh, like, you guys got to leave now if you want to make it out. And you know, at the end, yeah, I can definitely see like at the end of that event, it's just like they got to be so like overly wired out, you know. Yeah. Like just I mean, let's just wrap it up, you know. How many registered pilots were there last year? Was it like seventeen hundred or something like that? Oh, was it? I was going to say 1,000, but I think that was the first year. I know the first year there was like 900. Yeah, the first year was 900. I think second year was like double that, if not more. Wow. Yeah, there was, I, it was a lot. So, Man. I mean, if this year is anything like it's trending, you know, if that's over 2,000 pilots, wow, what an event, you know? And everybody chewing on those pulled pork sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> or no, what was the other ones that you guys had? The burgers? Uh, there was burgers, there's cheesesteaks. Cheesesteaks. Yeah. Those you said were um a little bit uh to be desired. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know what it is? I, I didn't see what Jeff saw. I, the cheesesteak tasted fine. <laughs> I didn't see what Jeff saw. <laughs> yeah, Jeff saw something <laughs> which turned him off on it and you know, I don't want to give any of the vendors at Fly Fest any, you know negative publicity basically but uh yeah you know i i thought they were okay <laughs> but they were good you know i ate them once or twice i think or once no i think you guys went down there yeah at least once or twice yeah the pulled pork i think i had that two or three times that was Dude, real- that was insane that was tasty 
Yeah, I mean, and we've talked about it before, and then you had the Amish with their uh, donuts, dude, mm-hmm. that we didn't get a chance to try. I know, it was Chris ate them all. <laughs> it was Chris ate them all. Oh, Ron Caglione. Yeah. <laughs> no, I gotta, I gotta definitely try it next time. It's just that, you know, I think when I saw them, it was like after I bought food, you know, it was just like, oh, okay, I'll come back later, and then they were all gone or, or yeah. sold out, so... So what have you been up to, man? Been fly- I flew this past Saturday. Yeah. That was fun. Um, so I had another crash of the Oxy, Tariq. <laughs> crash number two. Oh, is it um, two? I thought it was three. Three? I thought no. you crashed that three times. No, it was two. The one time um, I crashed it, I was by myself at the field. And, you know, do my little thing. And I just kind of did, did a move that I normally do way too low. And so I think, uh, let me just get right into that. I think I learned my lesson about that helicopter is it's geared for 4S setup. The motor, KV, the, you know, the gearing, the gear ratio, it's the head speeds I'm set at, it's geared for 4S. Ever since I crashed my Oxy-3 Cube, I had all these 3S packs, so I was just kind of running them in there. And... In Bank Three, it's it flies okay, but it's it doesn't have the pop, it doesn't have the power, and I keep on trying to do the same moves I do on 4s on 3s when I don't have that power, oh. and I just kind of get in the groove of things. I don't really like consciously think like, oh, it's only 4s, it's only a 3s pack in here. I gotta take it easy. I'm just like, okay, there's a pack in there. I'm flying this thing. Let me do what I normally do, and um, both times I just didn't have enough head speed. To do the maneuver, um, the first time I crashed was basically I was kind of I don't know it's kind of like flying towards me a little to the left and doing an overspeed and then and then doing a punch out on Piro and when I did the punch out it didn't gain enough altitude before I started Piroing so it's just like you know it was like a foot off the ground it started moving away and I started Piroing and the tail just kind of like tapped the floor. And and I and I popped it up, but I was just like, okay, you know, drop oh, it. And like when when that happened, I didn't. The tail was fine though, but I guess I hit. I actually hit my blades on the ground because I ripped the spindle in half, and both blades shot away. One was right next to the heli. One was twenty feet to the like, you know, like say ten o'clock from when I'm looking at it. Um, yeah. So I sheared the thing. I broke the DFC links off of that, um, and that was really it. It was just ahead. Uh, and the main the main shaft was a little bit bent, so I ended up replacing that too. The gear was fine. The main gear was fine. I didn't strip any servos. Nothing else was bad. So, so the second time I crashed now, this was last week, um, this past Saturday, I'm I'm doing TikToks, tail down TikToks, and you know I I, I hear the heli bogging a little, but I just kind of continue it, and on one portion of the TikTok I push out and. It bogged so badly that I lost tail authority, and it started pirouetting like crazy. And this is probably about thirty feet in the air, so I just hit throttle hold. I kind of regained like the helicopter back level, skid down, you know, and the side hover coming down. And for a moment, I hit throttle. I turned off throttle hold. I was like, I, I could, I could save it. I could bail out. And then I was like, Nah, it's like two feet off the ground. Throttle hold again. So, um, I, you know, it's a little bit of a hard landing. I broke one of the two skids, like one of the sides for the carbon fiber skid. So 
Um, you know, not not a bad crash. Nothing else bad. If I had a pair of landing gears, I'd be able to fly it again um, that day. But you know, I I don't have any spare parts for this yet. So yeah, dude, I told you you could take one of mine, man. Yeah, I thought about it taking it off your crash the Oxy Three Plus Q. Uh, yeah, Oxy Sport. Oh, the Oxy Sport. That's what it was. Because um, I think no. I wound up ordering two of those. Uh, when I first got the sport, or when I okay. first got the cube, so I I think I have two of those extra. Yes. I thought I actually had one at home, and I don't. So I was like, "Ooh, should I take it off my Oxy Three Sport? I mean, my not Sport, the Cube." And I was, eh, I'll just I'll just order one, or maybe I'll swap it if I really want to fly and I don't get the part in by this weekend. So, but that's different, right? Are those different, or are they the same? Well, one's one's carbon fiber, you know, like the Goblin style skids, and right. one is like. You know, the T-Rex, not T-Rex, more like Blade, you know, just like a, a white one-piece, one piece. Uh, yeah. Yeah, land, you know, standard-looking helicopter skids, non-carbon fiber ones. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, so, club member, so I brought out my Hive 210. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I can't, I, you know, I've, I got the new motors in there. I got the new ESCs. I flashed it with uh, beta flight instead of uh, clean flight, which is supposed to be better. I'm all ready to do this. It won't arm. It won't arm. I can't figure out why it won't arm. I'm like, I thought I went through the setup. I thought everything was good. You know, I asked the club president, Mike. I'm like, hey, Mike, you happen to have your laptop? And he's like, who's your best friend now? <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> who's your guy? And I was like, yeah. So he he had his laptop. So we hooked it up. Um, and, and, I, and I'm going through the settings and everything looks right. Still not arming. I'm like, what's going on? One of our club members, Jim, you know, he's he does a lot of the quad stuff he races on he, fl- he flies everything he flies planes helis and um i was like hey jim you know can you can you help me take a you know get a second set of eyes on this and see what's going on and he's you know he's very like meticulous with stuff so he's like okay let me go through everything so i can know where you're at and yeah. see you know if there's any mistakes so cool we, we go through everything like twice over and we're like ah oh, i can't figure it out and then i mean he like maybe like a second before I noticed it, he's like, wait a minute. I'm like, wait a minute. The damn transmitter set wrong. It's set on Spectrum. It's set on, you know, Satellite RX. But it's set on Futaba's channel assignment. Oh. So A-E, um, T. Damn what Futaba. Is, yeah, what is it? It's like ailerons, elevator, throttle, rudder. And then whatever aux instead of spectrum or JR, which is throttles your first channel. Aileron. Yeah, if Futaba got the throttle on the third channel. Yes, so the throttles on the third channel. So that was so the radio or the the you know the flight control never saw the low endpoint of um, my throttle because it was on the I guess it would be TAE. So it was on the elevator channel, (laughs) and it was always mid stick. Right, dude, you're so lucky. Why? Because wouldn't that thing have just taken off if you armed it? No, because the ESCs wouldn't arm without having a low point when you plug in a battery. Oh, okay. Yeah. But still, yeah. I mean, you it never know. Nuts. Right. You never know. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So as soon as you figure that out, oh boy, man, it was it was towards the end of the night. 
I was, you know, I mean, well, before the end of the night, when, you know, I was flying in, I was trying it and hovering. It was like, cool, this feels good. I started flipping it. I even passed the controller to you and said, you have to try this because... That thing was insane, dude. Yeah, it's not like any of the ZMR quads that I flew, that we've flown, you know, or the the Hobby King one or your Androx one or any of them. Like, it just... Oh, my God. It was so calm and like you can hover it very easily but when you bank that stick to the left that thing just flipped over in an instant yeah like, whoop. that was so cool so i was like this is exactly what steve wanted to do with this thing yes yeah that's exactly the way i wanted to set up i mean it's not tuned in any way none of the pits have been changed from default but oh man so this was after you left um after i got done flying with all my helicopters i had because of the oxy to recrash, I had like six or seven packs charged up. So I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna burn through these packs line of sight with the with the uh, quad. I haven't put the FPV gear set up in there yet, so I was just like, okay, line of sight. Let's see what this can do. Oh man, you, you gotta you, you gotta ask Mike and Jim. I was bringing it up like maybe like thirty feet and just holding the elevator. <laughs> it would go one, two, three, four, five, six, and then I'll catch it. <laughs> Jeez, I, was, I would roll it like three or four times and then catch it, you know. And this was all line of sight, so like, and this was when when it starts to get dark. So all you see is a silhouette of the thing flipping. Yeah, it was it was kind of getting dark when you let me fly it. Yeah, and and I don't know. I guess the way it's set up, at the bottom is flat, and I have everything stacked on top, and then a battery on top. That for me, it was easy to tell if I was upside down or not. Yeah, because if it looked like a bubble on the bottom, like you know something sticking out the bottom, I know that's the bot uh, that's the top. So I got to flip it over one half turn, and then throttle up. So I was doing that pack after pack after pack, and then I started flying the thing figure eights line of sight. Nice, in the dark or not dark, but you know <laughs> in, the, in the dusk. Yeah, in the dusk light, you know, in a silhouette, just knowing that like okay, I'm just gonna hold these sticks, like you know I'm I'm gonna. Pull forward, push forward, and then like bank right and and bank right and pull back. Like I'm always gonna be on the control, so I'm always gonna know the orientation because I'm flying it, you know, type of deal. Right. So I was doing figure eights, and then I got this weird thing about doing like it. It almost looks like the bunny hops that I do with the helicopter or the leapfrog or whatever you call it. Yeah. So I would pitch the helicopter, uh, the quad, forty five degrees, and I would gun it. And it would go sideways, fly in the air. I would flip it upside down. Like, it would be upside down. Skip, like, you know, moving to the right. Right. And then I would flip it over, catch it, and then I would bounce it the other way. Oh, where I'm now, you know, bank to the left, 45 degrees, hard throttle, cut the throttle, flip it upside down, and then flip it all the way, and then catch it again. And I was doing this back and forth like rainbows. It looked it looked amazing. I was just like, I don't think I could do this FPV, but the line of sight, I was having a ball with this thing. It was so much fun. So when are you selling your helicopters? Never. Okay. All right. Good. We're still on that page. That's good. <laughs> no. But, dude, that thing was insane. Like, that thing flew so good and flipped so easy. It was just so nice to fly. And yeah. I don't know whether that's the frame or whether that's the beta flight. You think it was the beta flight, right? I think it was a it's a mix of beta flight and having like actual real power in the motor. Oh, okay. Having those like eighteen oh six with twelve amp PSCs just didn't have enough like 
power to stop it from falling. Now it's just like you. I when you did a flip, I think your second flip you tried, it just stayed in one spot. It was like flip stayed right there. Yeah, it didn't drop at all. And it that wasn't was, like you came out of the flip wondering what was going on. It was like it flipped and went like right back level. to yeah, yeah, level more or less. It was yeah. really really cool. It was so easy to fly. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to have to try that in my Amdroid um, frame and see what happens. I don't know. Maybe I'll get the same motors you got. Wait, what do you have in yours, though? I don't know if my ESC can handle it, though, handle 4S. Because you were doing 4S, right? Oh, no, you yeah. were doing 3S, you said. I was doing both. And that's the surprising part, that 3S, yes, um, it had power. It it was way better than what I had before with the, the, the other motors. But... You know, it had power, but 4S was just a beast. Like, it was just, you know, it was a screamer. Like, it screamed. You know, you know how, like, when Rich comes flying around with his, yeah, you know, 180 or 210, and he's like, you know, and, like, when he takes off, it's just like that, like, screeching, not screeching, but, like, more like a, I don't know, uh, like a, I don't know, just some screaming, like, banshee noise. <laughs> I have no idea what. What size motors these are? They're ready to fly, fly quads motors. They I have don't to have look at markings. my order. There's no marking on it except for ready to fly quads. Oh, uh, okay. They're pretty decent size, though. They're probably 2204s, 2300s. That's kind of the standard. Yeah, that's probably what 2204, 2205s, even up to 2206s. But that's kind of the standard, like 2300 kV. But I got the one board all in one ESC, so I don't know if that can handle 4S. Mm, you should check that. If it can handle, I mean, even if it can't, give it a try. 3s with the the beta flight, it really wasn't too bad with that. Like, I have to work on this thing because, man, I don't have the satellite set up. I'm still using a receiver. It kind of got chewed up on last flight, so I gotta swap it over to a satellite. All you need is bring a receiver, like a regular receiver. Yeah. Um, that I can plug a satellite into and plug a satellite to to bind it, and then. It's basically bring your Saturn iron. There's three wires onto the board. It's super simple. Oh, okay. Yeah. Another thing I was doing is I was seeing how much hang time I could have with that thing. So I would bring it up 50 feet, flip it upside down, and just wait till like 10 feet to flip it over. And what were you getting? You were getting like second? Yeah, yeah. It was kind of like, you know, it was like flip, flip, you know, like flip up. And flip it again, you know, like it was. It had it had like a second or two. It was nice. the hang time was pretty nice, and that was without their uh, the air mode on or whatever that mode is, where it'll keep the props still spinning and it'll keep your pids levels the same even if you're at zero throttle. I know it's just weird quad stuff. Yeah, I don't but, understand um, what you're talking about. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I had fun with it. So cool, man. Yeah, back. it looked like a lot of fun, man. I was as soon as. As soon as you landed and let me try it, and I got done flying it, I was like, damn it, now I want to get one. Yeah. It was, like, that much fun. It was so easy to fly. I was like, yeah, wow. I was so surprised. And, I, I mean, it was amazing that I was able to fly that. I mean, not to toot my own horn, but it was really no, I it hear was you because, amazing for me yeah. to do that line of sight because, you know, I think that's the helicopter training that's doing it. Yeah, and I can remember we weren't the best with line of sight quads back in the day i mean it's still tough because every every orientation looks the same more or less right but if you're just flying the aircraft without really wondering is it facing this way is it facing that way and just flying it by constantly moving the sticks yeah i don't i think you'd be able to do it because we do it all the time with our helicopters right yep and i think that that can translate into this for for line of sight 
Obviously, it's a little different when we're doing FPV. But yeah. Cool, man. All right. So let's go into our main topic here. Rebuilding helicopters. And, and it's not just like rebuilding after a crash. It's also um, overhauling the helicopter after, you know, you've had it for a long time without a crash. So, Which hasn't happened to me yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you'll get to a point where you'll be putting flight after flight after flight. You'll be putting 40, 50 flights on the, on the heli easily without a crash. And then you're like, wait a minute. How many flights do I have? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember... I think it was it was the, the the 180. I flew that so much I can remember like the swash being a little jiggly, jiggly, <laughs> jiggly. So I had to change out the swash. You know, yeah, so it was wearing in. Yeah, it was wearing a little bit. Yeah, so I know what you mean. Yeah, but as far as I don't know, I'm putting a lot of flights on these helis. Like I at least yeah. get five six flights on week, each right? one a week. Yeah, yeah. So think about you know in half a year you're you know. You're putting in like 50, 60 flights at least. Yeah. In a full year, you could easily put in over 100 flights. Yeah, that's true. All right. I guess I'll start because... Um, yeah, because you're right in the middle of your 380. Yeah. So, I, you know, basically the 380, I've had that a little bit over a year now. It was a, a year since... Um, a year and a half now, I guess, right? Because I think I had it a year since last December. I want to say or last January. Yeah, it was the winter time when you maidened it at Jeff's. Yeah. So that's got to be yeah, a year, about a year and a half now. A year and a half, let's say. So, um, you know, and, and I had one crash on it. When I had the crash, um, you know, it was very minor stuff, a servo. I mean, it, it, I, cracked the, I cracked the frame and stuff like that. I guess it wasn't that minor. But, so, but you know, it was only like maybe $150 worth of parts. So it was like, okay, you know, one night, rebuild it. Boom, back together, let's fly it again. But then after that, you know, for for good, close to a year, I haven't crashed it, knock on wood. Um, so, you know, at this time, like, it started making little noises. I was getting a little bit of uh, play in the tail shaft. You know, things weren't really, things were showing me that there's wearing, you know, there's wear on that heli. So, um when I, I think like about three months ago, I made the decision that I'm going to bench this helicopter and start overhauling it. Um, and really, until last, like two nights ago, I didn't do much except take the blades off the, you know, the bird. Everything just sat there the way it was. But uh, the last two nights, I really took some time and started taking it apart. So I did a complete breakdown of the heli um in sections i didn't take everything every single bolt apart and then like uh what goes where so the way i did it is i took you know i took the head off i took you know the the, the main transmission off i took the tail boom off i uh, took all the like you know all my wiring and stuff i kind of unzip tied everything and oh wow and, and i took everything off and then all i had was basically you know the frame and and uh the bottom frame with the skids and I one of the parts that I got for upgrading this uh, time around is a Tarot T A R O T. They're kind of a known company for Align clones. They made an aluminum bottom tray for the 380. Uh, I've been wanting an aluminum bottom tray forever for this bird. Uh, I just like the way they look. I like that you know it stiffens it up, and it still uses the same carbon fiber battery trays. But it's an aluminum base. It's actually three pieces that you have to bolt together. 
not like the one piece plastic one that SAB you know offers. So I put that together. It, I weighed the difference. It was 1.3 grams for the plastic piece and 1.6 grams. Um, no, sorry, it's 1.6 and 1.9. It was 0.3 grams of a difference in weight. Wow. It's very minimal in my eyes. That's nothing. Yeah, it's not bad at all. So I was like, great. You know, and I put it together. I put the bottom plate on with the side frames. I put the uh, skids on there. And, and when I was looking at it, oh, boy, it looks nice. Um, I, I can't wait to show you guys in person. It really looks nice the way, you know, all the pieces fit together. It was pretty much perfect. I didn't have to, like, there was nothing misaligned. Everything was good. So that's good. Yeah. Um, and then I also, soon as soon as I got that, and this is part of the reason why I started working on this two days ago is I got the aluminum tray in, and I also got the X Nova Turek uh, motor. Oh boy. Yeah. So it's a thirty-two fifteen size motor, nine hundred thirty kV. I'm going to run it with the 22-tooth pinion, so I should be able to get my 3,500 to around 35, 3550 head speed as bank three and then work my way down from there. What did, what was your head speed running You know, before the motor swap out? So before, I think I was running 3,400. So I was running a 900 kV Scorpion first, the smaller one. I think it's like a 30... 15 or whatever it is, or I forgot the size, but it was a smaller Scorpion 900 kV motor. Okay. I was running the 23 tooth pinion on it, and I, was, I think I was running about 3,400, I want to say. Okay. This was with Icon before, so I really didn't know what head speeds I was running. I just kind of guessed them from, you know, Mel's head speed calculator and the gearing and the voltage and stuff. But, um, that was cool. It had good power. I liked it. I got a great deal on a Scorpion 1000 kV, the bigger Scorpion motor. I put that in there with the same 24 tooth pinion. And yeah, I remember that day. It was nuts. <laughs> it was probably running like 39. I think we calculated it at 3900 um, RPM on the head. Yeah, that which thing is insane. Which 36 is their safety, like. Please don't go above 3,600. It can handle it, but 3,600 is what we're recommending as the max. And I'm running an estimated like 39.8 something. Because you'll poke your eye out. Yeah, the tail would not hold even when I had the gains down to like 10. <laughs> like it would not hold. It was just way too much head speed. Um, and then after that, I benched it. Like I was just like, okay, you know, I got to do some work on it anyways. Uh, so. On order right now is a Hobbywing 100 amp low voltage version 3 ESC, uh, the platinum edition. Uh, I'm taking the V bar Neo off my 570, putting that on there. I'm going to be ordering next the Lynx aluminum servo mount, new belt tench, uh, new belt which is on order with the uh, Goblin SAB upgraded uh, belt tensioner guide thingy. I'm going to get new dampeners. Uh, for the head, just because, you know, if I've had enough flights, I, I should show, uh, change those out. Yeah. So the rebuild process. So, okay, yeah, I have my bottom tray on there. I have my side frames, my landing skids on there. It's it's looking all cool. So I started now next with the transmission. Let me ask you something before we go any further. Was mm -hmm. there, I know you said that you, you're getting a Lynx aluminum servo mounts. Um, yes. If you weren't getting those, would you have taken the 
the servos out for any reason or cut the wiring out or anything like that? Um, if I wasn't replacing those, I probably wouldn't. I mean, maybe I would. Maybe I would just take the bolts out, take the plastic mounts off, and then re-lock tight and put them back on just to make sure that, you know, everything is kind of fresh Loctite on it. You know, that it's it's kind of my stamp of approval. Like, I double-checked that part to make sure that there's no fatigue, there's no, you know, weirdness. Or- yeah, like you don't have a broken, like, servo case or anything or cracked or anything. Well, not even a servo. Like, the servos... I didn't even look at the servos yet. It's more just like the mount and like screws and everything, how it mounts to the helicopter. I want to make sure that the airframe is tight, that, you know, there's no problems. Every single bolt has been re-Loctited with new Loctite. It's not like, because I don't know, maybe when I rebuilt it, I might not have Loctited or I might have, and I'm going to go into it. I did Loctite it and I did Loctite it way too much. Um, yeah, because I was going to ask about that too. It's like, I got the one from Anthony. And the only mm-hmm. thing I, the only thing I've checked, well, I, I went around and checked a lot of the bolts on it. But the only thing I, that I personally have taken apart and put back together was the blade, the blades on the feathering shaft when I replaced that. Okay, so the main grips. Yeah, and he's probably a better builder than I am. And same with the five seventy. Like Chris is probably a, a thousand mm-hmm. times better builder than I am. I just checked like the bolts to make sure that they're tight and you know not coming out or anything, but. If you are to take them out, like what? How do you how do you how do you clean up the bolts? Do you do you clean the threads, or you just put more Loctite on it and just shove <laughs> it back in? You probably should clean the threads, and you can clean them easily with uh, alcohol. It'll take that Loctite right off alcohol and like a paper towel. Oh well, that's easy because I got plenty um, of alcohol. <laughs> yeah. What, what what kind of alcohol are you talking about though? Like just I. I the highest percentage of isopropyl alcohol I can find, oh, usually okay. 80 or 90 percent. Okay. Um, you can use vodka, but that's kind of a waste of vodka. <laughs> no. You know? I was only kidding. <laughs> so, yeah, like I should I should be doing that, but basically what I do is I just take the bolt and I, I run it through, like I kind of screw it into a paper towel. Oh, okay. And just clean off as much as possible because I, I don't have time to. That probably cleans I'm, it up pretty yeah. good though, right? Yeah, most of the gunk gunk comes off like most of the white stuff the the broken loctite that you see when you take a bolt off it's all like chalky white stuff right most of that stuff comes off okay um, especially on the tip part so yeah what i basically did is i i you know i started rebuilding transmission and i noticed i had shaft the shaft the main shaft had play and it didn't just have play like going up and down like um vertical play it also had lateral play so i was able to push the shaft forward and back um, like forward towards the forward of the helicopter, back towards the back of the helicopter, like that wobbling. So I'm glad I checked it. I'm glad I took the whole thing apart because that's probably not good to have. And it was such an easy fix. I just added in one extra shim to the main shaft, and then I checked again. For folks that don't know the SAB transmission design, um, you might not know either, Kevin, because you haven't really taken this one apart or your 380 apart. Yeah. That um. The shaft locks into the transmission. So it's not like like the Oxy where you just kind of – the shaft basically is free-floating until you basically put the main uh, gear on and then you put that collet on top. Right. That's what's locking the shaft. On a Goblin 380 and up, the shaft is basically um, set in to the transmission plate. So you basically have – the shaft has, uh, I guess, two – I don't know what you call them, bumps or 
wider parts of it that you, you know when you push the shaft in through the transmission that stops it there then there's a bearing on top and then there's a collet that goes like a, a whole like i don't know how to describe it it's basically like a whole um collar that goes on top with three bolts that bolts down to the transmission and that locks it in so without the main gear without anything else that you know main shaft is locked in there so let me ask you though you said you had play up and down mm-hmm. and then you had play what from nose to tail or nose to tail side to side just laterally and horizontal laterally not vertical. so how does one shim i can see how a shim would help the up and down because you're adding mm-hmm. space you know you're adding to the empty space how do you correct the lateral play then with one shim so the lateral play comes from the bearings in a race kind of rocking a little All right um, there's got to be a little bit of play. I mean, obviously, when you have new bearings, they're, it's very minute amount of play. You can't really tell that it's playing it. But usually, if you take an inner race bearing and you take the outer race and kind of rock it like that, like wobbling it left and right, you know, if it's flat, there's usually a little bit of play. What happens is that the spacer basically pushes out on that and stops that from having any play. Oh, it's pushing the wedge in further, yeah. more or less? Yes, yeah, sort of. Not not like pushing it in further, but kind of like it's there's no gap for it to wiggle okay. up and down, you know, like wobble left and right or up and down, however you want to look at it. So, I mean, that's my guesstimate. I, I mean, I'm not, you know, you know, engineer in that aspect, but okay. when I, I have one shim in there, I put an extra one just to get rid of that, that um, vertical play, and then I was like, whoa, there's no lateral play, and I could spin the shaft completely freely. No binding, no grinding, no nothing. It was smooth as butter. And cool. I was like, awesome. So now that's good. <clears throat> and then I started building the, um, you know, putting the main gear and the drive pulley back on there and then getting that whole transmission into the frame again. So I got that mounted back in the frame. Oh, let me rewind a little. So I was taking apart the transmission plate outside, you know, off the frame and two bolts I rounded out. <laughs> What do you mean you stripped the, the Allen yeah. part of it? Yes, the inner part of the Allen. Uh, my tools are starting to get a little bit old. So they're starting to, you know, get a little bit of play before it actually grips. So I rounded out two bolts, and it was because I had way too much Loctite on there. I took a Dremel and basically cut a slot in it and then used a big screwdriver and, and started unscrewing it and it came out. And when I came out, it was just chalk. Like, just chalk was pouring out of it. I had so much Loctite on there. It was not, it's not even funny. Like, so this time around, I'm like, okay, let me do what I do with Loctite and, and just put a little bit on the thread and then roll it on my thumb or my, my uh, pointer finger and then, you know, clean my pointer finger off and just get that, like, two-thirds of that thread wet looking. And, uh, you know, good thing SAB includes extra bolts because, I, you know, I had I would have had to buy some, uh, what is it, two point five or three millimeter bolts? Uh, what's the head size? The head size is two point five. Like you use a two point five Allen to. Yeah, I think the head is two point five or three. No, if the head is two point five, then yeah, it's a three usually. Three millimeter so, bolt. Yeah. So um, yeah, so I I ended up taking those out, and I had a couple extra, so I put it back together. And that was all cool. Everything feels good now. 
you know, I'm happy with it. I'm going to have to re-Loctite him anyways because I got an upgrade coming too. So I got to take all those bolts out again. But um, And then I'm, I was like, okay, I got this awesome motor. <laughs> I got to do something with it. I got to, you know. So I installed the motor, you know, with the belt and got it tensioned up and mounted on the thing. It just looks cool. I mean, I need to... I need to get a couple more parts in and I can redo the tail, you know, the tail boom and all the tail pieces. Um, really, I'm just waiting for the belt. Even if I don't get the tensioner in time, I can put that on after I put the the whole tail and heli frame, you know, the the pod portion together with the the boom. So that's kind of where I'm at with that right now. Did um, did um Are you going to replace any bearings at all? Well, I haven't. I haven't gone through the head and the tail sections yet to see if I need to replace them. But oh. when I looked at the head, like I hadn't taken it apart, but when I was, you know, without any links or anything, it's smooth. There's no notchy feeling. You know, I think because last time I crashed, whatever, eight months ago, whatever it was, you know, I rebuilt that. So, you know, it's still in good condition. I am going to take it apart, though, and re-lube everything and, and when I change the dampeners. But um, right now, the way it is, it seems like it's brand new and it's it's super smooth. That's cool. Yeah, so I don't know if, I mean, if I weren't replacing the dampeners, I probably wouldn't even mess with it. Um, maybe all I would do is unbolt the, the two bolts that, the, you know, that hold the head on, the blade grips on, and just re-loctite those. Yeah, I remember replacing the dampeners on the, the 450X and mm-hmm. it being so much better. Yeah. Like so much of a difference. Yeah. Yeah, especially worn dampers, they're just it won't feel responsive. It'll kinda of lag. And you know, if you're doing if you're trying to do anything hard, collective hard cyclic three D stuff, you'll you'll notice it for sure. Alright, so I just wanna kinda of go over some tips that I've noticed when I was redoing this stuff. Um, first tip I think is definitely Limit the amount of Loctite you use. I mean, don't use none, but don't use a whole drop of it. Yeah. It'll save you a headache later on, for sure. Um, Get good tools. If you have crappy tools, Harbor Freight, just like really crappy Allen sets, you're going to round out your bolts. You're going to, you know, especially if they're, you know, Loctited too much, you're going to round those out inside. Maybe you'll look out and be able to fit a little bit bigger one in there or like an odd size hex, but get good tools. Now, I don't know if you need to buy $100, $150 six-piece tool sets from you know these heli companies. I'm not going to name them, but there's some heli companies that sell tools that are like like really expensive, like $80 or $100. Bucks. You know, if you're really serious into it and you have the extra cash, cool, go for it. But um, I was using an RC car team associate um, hex set, and I've used it for three years. Wow, man. Since I was into cars, and then I started getting into planes and helis, I've been using that for three years. And I use that with a power tool and a hand tool. You know, So it's like one of those, uh, I don't know, little magnetic click things, and you can just kind of use it with uh, a screwdriver handle, or you can use it in, you know, I have a Ryobi um five volt little power tool that takes those two i noticed that the one i strip out the most is the 1.5 like all the time yeah 1.5 i mean this is a two millimeter that i'm stripping wow. or 2.5 damn you know? dude 
And it's just because over time, you know, they start wearing a little more, little, little. And they're hardened tools. Like three years with a $25, $30 set, I think I got my money's worth for sure. Oh, hell yeah. Because I've bought, I bought the original, the original one I had was the real cheesy one I got from Nitro Planes or, or something like that. Right. And I still use the ball ink pliers. And uh, <laughs> yeah. That's about it. I mean, I've stripped the 1.5s pretty bad. Then I got a set of those long turnage ones mm-hmm. um, with the silver handles. And okay, they, yeah. They weren't the best. I've stripped those out. The 1.5 yeah. I stripped out. The yeah. one that I can keep the most, most of the time, is the non fancy L shaped one that you can get. And I don't even know where I got it. Maybe Home Depot or something. Just in okay. one of those sets. I did get one of those, you know, zip up pouch packs, and that mm-hmm. one's been okay. I, I've I've still stripped out, I've stripped out more heads and not the tool with with that one though. And I don't think yeah. that one was real expensive. I think that I got that. It's like twenty something, twenty five bucks, I think. Yeah, I think it was a little more than that. I think it was. I'm not sure how much that was. I thought it was closer to forty, uh, but I probably picked that up from. Horizon Hobby, like I was trying to make a hundred dollars to get free shipping, and I went yeah and that. So uh, yeah, that's probably where I got that from. Nice, and and I have that same set. Yeah, that's similar to your set with the that you were talking about for the RC cars. No, no, no! Isn't it the the red handle where like the bit is on both sides and you can slide it out and it's fully adjustable and how long? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's I, right. You I, have, the I other have set that too. Yeah. I have that set. And just to warn you, I'm already stripping out most of that stuff already. And I've had that less than a year. Oh, no. Say. Yeah. The team associated one, like, was really hardened tools. Like, they really lasted three years of me abusing it. Think about all the quads that I built, right? I use it in a power tool, and I'm taking all those three millimeter M3s out with it. Yeah. You know, tightening them down and loosening them up, like, constantly. You know, with the Dragonfly, the Batbone, all of those that flight tests, you know, quads that use the three millimeter. And yeah, they've held up, you know. Right. But that's what I'm saying. I mean, the only one I strip out is the 1.5. And I did get, oh, the one I got from Horizon was the, um, they have like a six piece set the E-Flight has. And I right, bought the those. E-Flight ones. Mm-hmm. And those held up okay. Those held up pretty good. Nice. But yeah, if, you, if you're putting a 2.5 in a, in a drill, I mean, that's that's pretty beefy. I don't think you're gonna strip that out. I mean, you, I'm sure you could, but uh, a lot of the stuff we, <laughs> you know, you're you're not putting it in a drill. You're putting it in one of those smaller five volt things. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a it's a power tool nonetheless. It, yeah, I can I can set the the clutch on it. So, you know, depending on what I'm working on, I set the clutch really light to basically one or whatever, and then or I can lock it into drill mode where it'll. You know, kind of keep on torquing as much as possible. Yeah, oh, that's cool. But yeah, so good tools is is, is something I would recommend. Um, yeah, definitely the one point five millimeters because they're so small. Um, there's just you know the steel molecules just aren't as strong. Like it needs, it's not beefy. So definitely gonna strip those. I have a couple of the L L size, like you know, just the Allen hex sets. I even have. Um, the ones that are like in a key, like where you like pop them out, like a Swiss yeah. Army knife style. Yeah. Those, you know, they seem to hold up a little bit. It depends how much you're trying to torque them down. You know, if you're trying to torque torque down like the uh, feathering shaft, the spindle shafts, you know, you everyone's scared of a blade coming shooting at them like an arrow, so they 
try to tighten it as much as possible. So yep. you end up stripping those out anyways, even if they're the good tools. So one of the tips I have, and sorry, Kevin. Oh, geez. Is, you know, a lot of people just like, okay, I got this heli. I've been flying it for a while. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through all the bolts and see if they're tight and see if there's any loose ones. If you find a loose one, don't just tighten it up. Unloosen it, clean it, put Loctite back on it, and then put it in because that Loctite is dry in there and it's already failed you by loosening it, backing itself out a little. Wait a minute. Well, Why did you say sorry, Kevin? I don't know. I know because you said you got the 570 and you're like, I just went over it with thing and see if all the screws were tight. I don't know. If- <laughs> well, what else should I do? You think I should completely take it apart? Well, no, do that. But if you find one that's a loose and you're, you're like, oh, I could turn it quarter turn more. Oh, no, I haven't found any that were loose. Okay. Like that. Yeah. No. If you find any screws loose, I don't recommend just tightening them down. I think it's best to just take it out, clean it, put a little Loctite on it, and put it back in. So that way that Loctite will seal with it being tight and not already broken and it's loose. Well, I have to say that Chris did tell me that, yeah, it's probably in in good shape, but he told me that I should go through the manual and and check everything out, you know, to do myself a favor and and get familiar with the heli, which is what I was going to say. I was going to say, I'm sorry if I'm cutting you off, but, you know, one of the tips I could say is get yourself a manual. If you bought it used and there's no manual, I mean, definitely get a manual. You can probably get it in PDF form nowadays Mm -hmm. with almost any heli. Yes. Yeah. So if you ever buy a used heli, I recommend a complete teardown. If it's someone you trust and you know and, you know, like for you, instance, you know, you're buying it from Chris – you know, and the one I got from Anthony, we we trust their building skills. We trust their their flying skills. We trust their word on when they say, "Oh yeah, we never crashed this," or or just had a tip over. Um, but you know, some there's a lot of people that buy helis just from you know Joe Schmo on on the forums or, or from eBay. Facebook or eBay. Right, eBay's even worse. Like, well, I got that. I got that four that four fifty the the four fifty X I got from eBay. And uh, he had told me he crashed it, said mm-hmm. it was kind of flying. I don't remember. I did fix a few things on it. I went over that and found a few things. So it wasn't like I just went right out and flew it. I, yeah. I remember going over that and, and, you know, finding this worn or this shot and having mm-hmm. to redo some stuff. Yeah. A $5 failed part because someone, you know, who owned a helicopter before you didn't look or you didn't look yourself can cause a whole recap with a heli. It's better that you know how to take apart the heli, rebuild the heli, following the manual, following each step, knowing how what part goes where, when. I mean, you can't... That's going to help you in the long run when you do crash. And then you can quickly assess, okay, all right, that's bent, that's bent. I'm going to have to take this apart, this apart, this part to get to that, and then this part, you know? Like, you'll, you'll know it because you've... You've experienced building a heli and re- actually taking it apart if you bought a use to rebuild it again. So you already have that, you know, in your head and how to do it. So definitely recommend it. Um, yeah, and you'll know what it looks like in good working order. So when after you crash, you'll be able to say, oh, that doesn't look right. Or, you know, something might catch your eye and mm-hmm. you won't buy all these parts, put them in and then find out you had something else broken. Yeah. 
But I think that all comes with experience too. I mean, sure. Chris it definitely uh, does. Chris, I, I gotta give like a huge shout out to Chris because I bought his five seventy. He took the the canopy and boom off basically because they had I think it, they had his daughter's name on it, and I don't know. I, um, I didn't really want to fly pink, Helly. No offense, but uh, he um, when I went through the manual, like I ordered the the boom and the canopy from heli direct and oh. going through the manual the first step is to, to take these like bolt these nut holders and like 3m tape them to the inside of the booms right the boom sides you know in the front and back and both sides uh-huh. and if it was anybody off of ebay i would have been like oh crap the guy probably took the boom off and didn't even think about popping those things out you know and i'm gonna have to order those they were all in this little box I mean, he did a dynamite job. He pulled everything. He had everything set up for me, you know, to to reinstall those on the new boom. With, wait, did he have new 3M or? No, I just, I got, I got tons of that stuff. So I just used some of the 3M that I had. Oh, okay. I mean, they're nylon nuts. It's not like there's any, you know, uh, way they're going to come off even, even if they weren't the correct 3M, you know, or anything like that. Yeah. You know what I, mean? I mean, the 3M is just there to hold it when you. Right, when you tighten it down, yeah. That's it, yeah. Yeah, Once it's tightened down, it's tightened down. Um, But it's not on none in the front part of the boom where it attaches to the the pod, but on the back, it's it's all M3 screws. So, or, yeah, M3 screws, I believe. And those are regulars. Like, you have to lock. um, I think they're locking nuts, actually. Yes, the tail has locking nuts, so you don't even have to lock tight or anything. So that's awesome that they include that because, you know, I'm guessing nine out of ten people who sell booms or sell a helicopter without the canopy and boom would probably forget about that part and that an extra part you'd have to order. You exactly. Know? I was like, this is something I would forget to yeah. to put in there. I mean, granted, it's a ten dollar part. It's just a, a mounting re- kit, you know, that SAB sells. But still, it's nice that they include that for sure. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we have a we have our listener Javier, and he has. Uh, our little... one listener, Javier, that's the way it sounded. Sorry. We have our listener. <laughs> we have one of our good listeners that... Oh, now you're making it worse. Oh, man, I'm butchering it. Anyways. <laughs> we have a listener that's from, the from like, day one has been emailing us a lot. Yes. And uh, a lot of questions and a lot of comments and started yeah. a fantastic, uh, you know, introduction to, to new pilots to helicopters on Heli Freak, I think it was, right? Yep, Heli Freak, yep. Yeah, it was really awesome. Very active on Heli Freak. So um, he had some questions that he wanted me to kind of, you know, that we could talk about. So, you know, for for a beginner who get, who buys a helicopter, nine out of ten times it's going to be a blade helicopter. It's right. going to be a ready-to-fly or a bind-and-fly. It's going to be built. You don't know how to repair it. You don't know how it was built. It was just, boom, it's built. So, you know, they crash it. Now, how do they fix it? The thing with blade and their, when you crash a blade helicopter, and this helped me tremendously when I was flying the 450X. I'm sure for other models they have, they have them too. But for the 450X specifically, they have great videos on their YouTube channel on how to disassemble the frame, how to disassemble the tail, how to redo the head, how to fix the major components that break in the crash. So those helped me learn how to rebuild the heli 
Because it doesn't really come with a manual in the traditional sense, like a kit would. I'm trying to think, did the 180 come with a manual? It came with a manual, but it's it's like a setup manual. Like, yeah. here, bind it to your thing. Here's some safety here's stuff. Here's the settings, yeah. Yeah, here's your settings. Here's, you know, if you have a DX9, this is what you use. Like, it doesn't say, okay, let's put this helicopter together. Part one, do this. Part two, do this. You know, so there's no actual breakdown of how to fix the helicopter or how the helicopter was built. In that aspect, when you crash one of those helicopters, they're actually really hard to fix as a as a beginner. You know, and it's very intimidating because there's like a thousand things you need to take off or you might not need to take off, but you just don't know. So you start stripping, you know, you start ripping screws out, ripping parts out. And then, and then you're like, wait a minute, how does this go back together? And why do I have six extra bolts here now? <laughs> you know? So, I mean. If you take your motor apart enough times, eventually you'll have enough parts left over to make another motor. It's like <laughs> exactly. my favorite saying growing up when we were in high school. Yeah, and that's how it was. Where with everything I took apart back in the day when I was a kid. I took a VCR apart. Yeah, <laughs> you had three screws left over. Yeah, always had a couple of screws. I'm like, I don't know where these go, but. Hey, it works. Um, not- yeah, you're, you're right, though, dude. You know, the blades, you know what they do? You know, I don't know. I guess it's a catch-22. You don't know how to repair it, but you can get the parts everywhere. Yeah. In that aspect, this is when your local hobby shop guy comes in handy, I think. You know, the place you bought it hopefully knows enough about helicopters that they can help you fix it um, without, you know, breaking the bank. Or go on Heli Freak, dude. I'll tell you what, man. When I was kind of stalled out in the 450s, the 450SEs and version mm-hmm. 2 and all that aligned stuff. T-Rexes, aligned, yeah. Right. I went on to Heli Freak and registered, and there are there are guys on that forum that have video after video on how to repair stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I would just put my headphones in. I'd be watching them on my iPad and be like, oh, crap, there's that. That's how that. And they'd be like, oh, I recommend this upgrade and that upgrade. And it's just... That helped yeah. me out a lot. Well, I mean, when with, with you're fixing. you're lucky because the T Rex is such a you know such a well known heli. There's like 600 different clones of it. It's just out there so much that it's not uncommon to to have a hundred thousand people with the same heli. You know, when think about someone who has a Warcara or you know even a blade. Like you know, there's a lot of people with blades, but a lot of people at that level fly them they kind of figure out how to fix them they fly them it doesn't fly right they ask for help it gets better then they fix it and they crash it and fix it and then they sell it like it's it's they're like beyond it at that point they don't want you know they want to go into the more higher ends like alliance or goblins or mikados and all that you know expensive well, stuff dude, that's where oxy should really come into your you know field of view if you're looking to start out yes because oxy easy to fix it's it's pro and it can get crazy, but mm-hmm. but um, I you know it's it's surprising that there's not a lot of parts on that thing. Yeah, it's a pretty low part count heli, and it's a good helicopter. Yeah, it's fully capable. Like it is, I mean, yeah, I I can't say nothing really bad about it at all. No, I I, mean, I, it, I love you, the you get your, There might be a steeper learning curve because you're getting your, you know, your fly bar of choice. Your controller mm-hmm. of choice, and then you got to go through the setup and all that. And but right, uh, but even that, I mean, that YouTube can help you. Heli Freak can help sure. you with that setup. Yeah, and those are just getting easier and easier. I think. Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, that's kind of one of the things. It's like, okay, so how do you fix it? Well, you know, you look online. You look for your local hobby shop. You look for resources to help you find a, a way to fix it. Or you just, you know, go for it. Okay, I know this is bent. I need to replace this. Let's start taking it apart. Be um, meticulous about it, though. When you start taking apart the helicopter, you know, work over uh, a towel or, like, um, a work mat kind of deal. Or, you know, if you're an RC car guy, getting into helis, you'll you'll have most likely one of those pit mats um, where if you're unscrewing something and, like, a bearing comes out and a bolt and a spacer, like... You're not losing that stuff in the first place because trying to find replacements of a washer or a bearing are a pain in the butt. Um, so you know, so at least that way. And then, and when you take something apart that has a lot of little parts in it, take it out slow, line all the parts up so you know how it came apart. So you know the sequence of parts that need to go back in. Yeah, do not do what I used to do with the Align 450s. Pull the head apart and be like, "Oh, what was that? That was a shim. Uh, it was so small it couldn't have been doing much." So. So I'll just slap it back together without that. <laughs> yeah. How many uh, times I used to, I can't find it. So I'll just put it back together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you might think, oh, it's just a little, little shim, but that stuff matters if you're head dampening. Yeah. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be there. Right. It wouldn't be there if it didn't matter. <laughs> right. So, I mean, you know, take your time. You're going to need basic tools. It comes with a couple of tools, it comes with like, a cheapo little Phillips head screwdriver and uh, one Allen key, maybe a 1.5 because those are a little bit harder to get at like a non hobby shop or, you know, like if you go to Sears, it's kind of harder to get the 1.5 millimeter. So they might include that. I think nowadays you can actually get that stuff because uh, I looked, I don't think you can get smaller than 1.5, but I know that I've mm-hmm. looked uh, at those flip out like, the ones yeah. you're talking about, the Swiss Army knife type, you, mm-hmm. you can definitely get them at 1.5 from like Home Depot. And okay. uh, with uh, with building a charging case, I wanted to get a, um, you know, I wanted to get a tap uh, that was small enough for three millimeter. And I was like, where am I going to find that? Went to Home Depot. They had a kit that started out at three millimeter. Oh, perfect. So, so I know that they're starting to carry like smaller stuff like that. I wouldn't recommend air quotes radio shack and the bolts from home depot because half the time they're in the wrong spot and they're not the right length and they only have two in a little plastic bag i'd go online and order like 100 at a shot yeah i know i'm getting a little off topic but uh, no no i mean you can find that kind of smaller stuff at the depot. yeah yeah definitely you're gonna need a good decent hex set you're gonna need loctite yeah you're gonna need a pair of pliers needle nose pliers usually to get into some tight spots with where you have to hold like a, uh, you know, um, you know, like a screw or a bolt or whatever. Yes, Oxy has the one bolt that goes on the main gear. Oh, the nut and bolt and the nut. I hate that one. <laughs> you have to have the smallest pair of needle nose you can find. Like, I'm not even like go on online and and find one that's one millimeter, mm-hmm. you no know, needle nose, because you can't get that, and it's so frustrating. That's the only thing I yeah. really don't like. That's the only. But I mean, I don't know what what could they do? Make a little spot maybe in the frame where you could get something larger in there. I don't even think that would work. The, the problem is, is that the the one way bearing will end up moving, right? And, and so when you're pushing with the hex driver, it'll basically yeah. shim to the right or to the left, and then you're like, when you're you know you holding that bolt, the nut, it just basically slips out. What I normally and, do is I'll flip the helicopter upside down, and I'll put I'll make sure that the the main grips are like perpendicular to the body and just mm-hmm. 
and it's it'll sit hold there. It. Yeah, and I'll be able to like get it figured out to where I can get that in there. Yeah. So needle nose pliers, you know, decent like small ones are usually good for most helicopters. As you get into the bigger helicopters, um, you can start using wrenches. You know. Yeah. Yeah, you can start using you know wrenches and stuff like that or uh, socket sets and stuff. But um, for the smaller helicopters, definitely needle nose pliers for for most of that stuff. And depending on the helicopter brand, a lot of brands, especially like. Brands like Oxy, I don't want to keep on saying Oxy and Goblin, but those are the ones that we're more most familiar with because that's what I fly. But there, a lot of the stuff is also keyed. So when you put that nut in, like against the metal part that you're screwing in, it actually keys so it holds it for you. Right, so I know the the main blades, yeah, being held on. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. I was thrilled to find that out because that's not on an align. Uh, no, or at least the just, line or the blades that I flew. No, it's uh, just the Blade flat. 450 has that on the head. Oh, did it? Main, yeah, but it was so, the first time I saw it. Yeah, so it's keyed in, so you don't need just as long as you hold that nut up to it, you can screw the top screw down, you know, and, and tighten it up yeah. without having any adjustment. But usually, needle nose is good to like get into hard to reach places to place that nut there in the first place or hold it there, and so it's, it's definitely a good tool to have. Um, zip ties. Yes. Dealing dealing with wires, you need to zip tie them down. You can't have wires dangling everywhere on the helicopter. And that's another so, thing you can get at Home Depot. You can get like a thousand of those little four inch zip ties in a pack mm-hmm. for like yeah. I don't even know what they are, nine dollars. Yeah, yeah. I think I got mine at either Harbor Freight or Walmart. Nineteen dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Harbor it was like ten. Yep. Yeah, it was like ten or twenty bucks, and you get like a thousand different assorted sizes. Like it's it's enough for. For at least a year or two of helicopter stuff or okay. any stuff, you know. Jeez, I would say that's that's enough for your whole experience in the hobby. I think. <laughs> well, some of the smaller ones you go through quicker than like the really big zip ties for sure. Yeah. You know, so you'll you'll end up like I ended up buying um, just sets like just you know a bag of one hundred uh, from Home Depot of like the smaller zip ties and stuff, the ones that I I know I need the most. Especially like I want them, sometimes you get them in like these assorted sets and they're like rainbow colors. It's like, I just want black zip ties, you know? So Yeah. So yeah. And you know you're getting the small ones that that's what you need. Get them in black, you're cool. Uh, what else do you need? CA is definitely good to have. Medium, I would say. I don't really mess with, I mean, you can mess with thin CA. I do use thin CA on my blades once I chip them. <laughs> When I cut the grass, I chip them and hit a rock or something, and I chip a little bit of the blade. Or even on a crash, maybe one blade totally tore up, but the other blade is fine. You know, you can flex it, and there's no cracks or anything. There's like a little chip. Right. A little- I'm going to play the role of Steve for like five seconds and be like, do not CA your main blades. Just get new ones. <laughs> no, but I mean, like if it's a small chip... Not, I'm not talking about at the root. I'm talking about at the tip or uh, trailing edge sometimes and a little pointy bit on the trailing edge on the you know, end. If that gets a little nicked up, it's not a big deal. Okay, if you have a tip so over. Then buy safety glasses also <laughs> <laughs> with your CA. I've, I mean, I've. I don't know, dude. I've been, I just I've been I don't, flying I don't like know that. if I would do that. I, I do this only on the little ones too. I don't, I, I wouldn't, I don't know. I don't think I've ever. I mean, I've flown with cracked and not cracked but just like chipped blades yeah but the, the, the whole reason why you put a drop of ca is just so that doesn't spread it, it doesn't spread it's like when you have a cracked windshield and you get that little epoxy thing 
you know, for the windshield. Like it's yeah. just, a, just a little nick. If you stop it, if you, you know, fill it now, it's not going to be a bigger problem later. And you can still fly, you know, you still drive the car with the crack windshield. You can still, you know, I'm talking about a little nick, not a spider crack through the whole windshield. But, you know, you can, it's, it's fine. Like, if it's a small little nick, it's not a big deal. If it's sheared or cracked or splitting, obviously you have to replace it. You yeah. know, don't mess with that. Don't try to glue the two halves together and put the root <laughs> back in there and, and put some Gorilla Glue to fill in the foam that's one missing. Barbecue skewer. You know. Yeah, put a barbecue skewer. No, don't do that. <laughs> but if it's just a little nick off the paint or the first layer of carbon fiber, a drop of thin CA will just seal it, and that's it. And then... And then usually you can fly it and you're going to crash it anyway. So then you'll have that new set of blades that you bought to replace the chipped one. You'll have that ready for it. Yeah, when I heard you say medium CA, I was thinking, well, guys are going to say, what the hell do I need medium CA? What do I even need like CA for? But I could think of the push rod being a prime example is when you put the push rod together and you okay. have the, the, you know, the eyelet or whatever. A uh-huh. lot of guys will, Chris, will, Chris Robert, he wraps that all in in thread and then puts medium CA or CA on it to lock so, it in. Are you you talking about the tail push rod? The tail push rod, yeah. Okay, so on on a goblin kit, the instructions say use CA. You basically have a threaded, half threaded metal rod, and then you have a carbon fiber tube, and you slit it in there, and you glue it, and you let it sit overnight, and then you can start threading it. I don't recommend using CA for that. Oh really? Because the the um the oxy was the same way. Well, similar. The oxy wanted you to. No, the oxy. Oh just no, that was um... in. That's a full thread. Yeah, but the oxy it wasn't CA. It was um, epoxy. We used five minute epoxy. That's right. Wait, what? Five minute epoxy for what? For the oxy tail uh, push rod. Oh, I don't use anything. That I just thread in. Yeah, Mike got out. They they says I think it says the man and he's like some kind of epoxy. Hmm. I need to take a look at that. But I don't know. See, because that's different on the sport. The sport wasn't together. The uh, the cube was together. None of mine were ever together. I had to always thread the, the – the, it was a full threaded metal rod. I had to thread one half in halfway of the rod, and then I threaded the other one into the CD uh, oh. eyelid or whatever you call it. Yeah. No, the, the cube stretched was, uh, was threaded. Was already together. I remember that because it came out together. Yeah, because it came out of the boom together while I was flying. Remember? <laughs> yes. That's another uh, thing. Don't yes. do that. Yes. Check your tail boom. <laughs> so yeah, you're gonna need some basic tools, basic glues. It's, it's good to have. It's good to have some tape, electrical tape, just like you know, just common things that you know in the hobby you're gonna need for other things besides helicopters or. You know, if if you're a if you're a hobbyist, most likely you do a lot of DIY stuff too, around the house and stuff. So it's good to have this type of adhesives and and basic tools. Well, hopefully, if they're, you know, rebuilding the helicopter, they they would have most of this stuff. Not if you bought a blade, right? If I bought a blade four fifty when they first came out. Oh yeah, true. Uh, and, and now it's my first helicopter, like, you know, or even a one eighty, like, or. A, MX, MCXP, whatever, like any of those micros, when you get them, they don't come. They come with a screwdriver and and one Allen key, and like a couple extra screws and like some double sided tape and 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 Velcro. Yeah. <laughs> like like they don't come with anything. And if you're 
if you're like, this is my first try into this hobby, you're not going to have any of that stuff. Um, over time, definitely, you will accumulate a lot of this stuff. Yep. And another thing I would say, over time, you'll accumulate or you should buy once you start flying and crashing at least is dry fluid. Proper lubrication is necessary. <laughs> yep. You're going to wear out your gears. And then you're going to wear out your patience because you're going to be replacing these gears. So it's good to get some dry fluid. Every time I rebuild anything is I put a drop of dry fluid on the um, on any bearings, any metal to metal, like the main shaft into the bearings, the swash and on the main shaft, um, you know, the head, the thrust bearings, all of that stuff gets dry lube in there. Um, gears, dry lube for gear, put that on there for your main pinion gear that's going on to your uh, main gear, or if it's a goblin, anything above the 380, you're talking about a two-stage transmission, you're going to have gears to another gear, which goes to another like metal shaft to another gear, and that turns another gear. All those gears, metal to metal, metal to plastic, you want to put some dry fluid on there. And dry fluid is really good if you get the heli specific dry fluid. Well, the dry fluid was for more or less for the bearings. I think there's actual gear uh, fluid that you can use on the gears. Yeah, right. I, I use it on I use it on the on the gears too. I don't. I mean, there's there's dry fluid for gears and there's regular dry fluid. Right. Uh, what I used to use is just regular dry fluid for chainsaws, for the links in chainsaws or for motorcycle chains, um, synthetic dry fluid. You basically put it on, it dries, and it's just chalk. It's kind of like a paste. And, um, you know, you don't go crazy with it, but if you do it right, you don't get the splatter you get when you try to use oil. Yeah, it's not a chainsaw. Yeah. So don't go crazy. Yeah. But um, but it'll protect the gears. It won't, it won't make it, it'll make it wear less. So it's definitely recommended as you start getting into that. Say you're, okay. All right, I'm done with the Play 450X, the 360 CFX. I want a bigger heli. I want a 500, a 600. Kevin, that's you right now. You're moving into the big heli world, you know, starting off with the 570, which, you know, in my opinion, I guess 500 would be also considered a big heli, but I really think the 550 size and up is where it, it flies like a bigger heli. It's not just bigger in size, but it has that power, the intimidation factor, um, the crash cost. Yeah, let's not talk about that. <laughs> when you go in bigger helis, you know, what else is needed? Your basic toolkit might not suffice for that. You know, my Goblin 700 is a 4mm hex nut on top for the blades, for the main blades. Wow. I didn't have, my, my toolkit had 4mm, but it's one of those ratcheting kinds, and it just broke the ratchet portion of the tool because I couldn't tighten those blades, you know, tight enough. Damn. So I ended up using a T, a T bar hex driver set that I had for my motorcycle, and the four millimeter. I was like, oh, perfect, this will fit, and boom, I used that, and I can tighten them down, um, get the right blade tension on the grips without having to um, break a tool <laughs> to do so. So one of the things I guess when you get into bigger helis is you're going to need bigger tools <laughs> and, and things are going to be tighter. You know, you're not going to like the smaller helis, you can run the, the, 
the uh, tail blades pretty loose. You can run the main blades pretty loose too, but as you get into bigger helis, loose blades often, if something goes wrong, is equals like right away equals one hundred percent a boom strike. Yeah, your your blade's gonna fold in on your arm, your main grips, and when that happens, if you break a link, that blade will now just pitch down or up or whatever. You're gonna hit your boom. You're gonna tear your helicopter apart. Five out of ten times, you're probably tearing the helicopter apart anyways, depending on how you crash. But, you know, if if they're really loose, it's guaranteed that you could even do a boom strike without doing anything failing, without anything failing, just from flying a certain way or loading up the head a certain way and unloading the head. So, or just tip over without even taking off. Tip over big one, yeah. yeah you, can, you can hit the boom, you know? then you're done. I mean, yeah. Even my Oxy, I mean, I run those blades pretty tight they don't move you know i have to hold both the blade and the blade grip when i unfold them like they're pretty tight and i i f- i gotta say on my cube on a tri-blade head it's not they're, they're not that tight they're well, tight must- but they're not yeah they're not insanely tight but on the sport they're pretty tight i mean we can probably go into a whole thing about like how tight your blade should be and this and that but um you know when you get into bigger helis you're definitely gonna need bigger tools when you build a heli from a kit you're gonna need different tools than you might rebuilding per se um you might need the more permanent type of loctite and not just the blue depending on your kit which nowadays they come from the manufacturer if you need the quote-unquote green loctite the more permanent loctite those bearings will already be pressed in and and loctited for you but per se you have to bang one of those out or the bearing is shot and you need to rebuild it, you might need to get yourself green Loctite or red. I'm not sure which one this is, but it's the... I think it's the red. The more permanent one. Yeah, I think it's the red. I think the green is more of a gap filler type of Loctite. Ah, man, I need to just get a couple more parts for this 380 and I'm going to have it done. I'm going to post a whole bunch of pictures on our Facebook page. So um, sorry in advance when I start just, you know, bombing out these pictures. It's just, I took I took a basically picture for every step that I I've been doing on this thing, so I nice. can post that up there. Well, the the heli guys will like it. The airplane guys will be like another helicopter picture. <laughs> I don't see any difference from the last three pictures. <laughs> right. While like it's like wait, you don't see the motors on there, the servos on there? Like now, it all looks the same. Up. Oh yeah, now you got the blades on. Okay, I noticed that. <laughs> for me, I got to get uh, a couple yeah. more things, but. I'm slowly piecing this one together. Like Anthony said, he'd give me some uh, some servos. He'll sell me some new servos. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got to get another icon, which I saw that link with the Bluetooth unit. I just yeah, the one I forwarded you? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't uh, I haven't uh, sent even sent him a message yet. I should. It's just uh, like, I don't know if I have the money right now. Yeah, I mean, if if you don't have the money, you don't have the money. But if you do, deals like that don't – they come – semi-often you know maybe once a month once every two months but yeah like if you're looking for one and you have the money and like someone posts on one of the facebook groups just pm that person right away if you can do it because um yeah i mean i haven't i've i saw one a while back maybe two weeks ago three weeks ago and muse picked that up now how does the bluetooth work does that stay on the helicopter or is that something yeah. you plug in uh, either way, you can plug it in or you, you, you basically tell the icon that has Bluetooth attached to it and you configure it. 
Ricky just leaves him on. He just mounted onto the helicopter. So anytime he needs to tune something, he just takes out his, uh, you know, tablet. Oh, and okay. he tunes it right there. All right, cool. So it is worth it. I mean, you don't have to use it, but. No, I've been doing it all without it so yeah. far. Yeah, it's a $20 extra option. I think the guy was selling the thing for 120 so. Yeah, I think it was, no, I think it was 130 130 Yeah. Yeah, you can maybe talk to him. Maybe you could do it for one twenty shipped. So I gotta, yeah. So I gotta get that. What did I say? Servos. I gotta get a fly bar controller. Packs, right? And a battery. Yeah, battery or two. Nice. Do you know what ESC? I think I don't know if I asked that last time. Do you know what ESC put on there? I thought he put a castle on there. Definitely castle. I know that. Yeah. But I don't know which. I think which it's a one twenty. One twenty. Okay. If you're looking for a twelve S motor, let me know. <laughs> yeah. I just I'm I'm moving. I want to get that X Nova. I really like X Nova. People are gonna be like, oh, the guy doesn't even know what the hell he's got there. Well, all I did was buy the 570 Canopy and Boom, put that on there, and then I I covered it up. It's on my workbench, covered up because I don't want my wife seeing it just yet. Not that she'll <laughs> complain that I got something. It's just like she's so deathly afraid of the helicopters that that size and larger. So I don't want her getting all bent out of shape. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> Definitely. I, I know when I got my 700, you know, I was, uh, every, everyone in my family was just like, what the hell are you doing? You're going to kill yourself with that thing. It's it's so intimidating, you <laughs> it's know. It's bigger than you are, man. Yeah, pretty much. You know, if the blade's folded out from the t- tip of the tail to the tip of the blade, like if it's all lined up um, perpendicular, it's, uh, I mean, parallel to the, the boom, it's definitely taller than me. Yeah. You know, it's a big heli. It really is. But it it's, flies so, it's so, like, floaty, and you know? It flies so nice. It can move. In the blink of an eye, it can be from one end of the field to the other. So I can, you know, definitely see the... I think the size masks the speed. Yeah. Like, like you know, you've driven on the turnpike here, and you see a, you know, a 757, you know, Boeing 757 coming in for a landing, and you're like... That thing looks like it's barely moving, but really, that thing's doing 200-some miles per hour, 300 miles per hour. Like, it's moving. It's just the, the massive size it is with the perspective of you, you know, in the distance. I know exactly where you're talking about. There's a stretch of the turnpike that's right by Jersey City there. Yes. Right by Newark, Jersey City. Right. Uh-huh. Right. The, the airplanes come and sell mm-hmm. south, and as you're heading north, you bend a little. It kind of bends a little. You're going up up a little embankment. Mm-hmm. And I, I've, I've been on that with my wife, and I've said... This is this is the area where the airplanes stand still, and it as you're because it plays a trick on you because you're kind of like moving and yeah. that's moving, but it's coming in slow. But it as you're going past it, it just looks like it's just sitting there. Yeah, and so it, you know the big heli looks like it's slow, but it's because it's so big and you end up flying it so much further away that it's not really slow. If this thing was right next to you doing the moves that I do, it's like yeah, it it would be like holy crap, holy crap, holy crap, you know. But it is floaty. Yeah. Size makes it floatier. As it gets bigger, as you get less of um, a heavy disc loading, quote-unquote, air quotes there, um, the, the helicopters become floatier, and you can be slower and more graceful with it with your controls and stuff. So um, that's kind of a learning thing you, you do as you develop, which I understand why heli, heli people are like, folks are like, you should just... Go buy a 700. <laughs> Go buy a 500 at least. You know, don't do these 450s. Don't do these small helis. 
because the small helis move so quick because they're so small and you fly them so close to you and you're just like wow 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 just whacking around so quick yeah but i don't know dude because like i listen to rchn almost religiously and mm-hmm. uh i know dan bought the oxy and he put it together kind of said it was a little bit too twitchy for him which i think it, you know for what it is and to have it the size it is and you can just like stop and and go down a field or a park and and have some fun with it i don't think it's that bad of a helicopter and i don't know if guys that fly the 700s and and nothing but the 700s you know are maybe cutting it a little short you know no pun intended <laughs> it's a big difference between a 700 and a, and a 300 size heli the right. feeling of the heli yeah but i'm just saying that the oxy is is pretty decent for what the size it is and i mean i really enjoy it i really have a, a blast with it and to know that, you know, I crashed that thing once and, like, what did it cost me? The crash was pretty bad. And, you know, what's it going to cost me? $60, $70 to fix it? It's mm-hmm. not like Under 60 yeah. $70 for one part, you know, right. if you crash something else. Sure. Um, I, I got to have you fly my 700 one of these days. It was, right. I'm, I'm not talking about the, the agility. I mean, I guess I'm more talking about the agility. I'm not talking about like the speed or, like I think what they're describing that's that you can't get on these small helicopter is time, the floatiness and the time you have. Yeah. When I when, when I'm flying like when I'm relaxedly like flying a 700, I mean I don't like I'm not. I don't feel like I'm like. I have to be three moves ahead of what I'm doing right now because that helicopter's gonna be like from here to there to there to there. I got to be three moves ahead, or or you know, but I'm I just gonna basically would, lose control. I just think it helps in your progression to have. I mean, I often equate stuff like this to guitars. When I had a I had a real crappy guitar where the where the the strings were really far off the fretboard, and I had a really nice setup guitar. And I would mm-hmm. go back and forth, and I would learn something on the the crappy one. And when I went to the good one, man, I was like, "Wow, I'm really getting it," you know. And, and when you go back yeah. and forth that way, you can, uh, you know, you can build your progression. I think up a little bit. No, definitely, definitely. But that's if you're okay with flying small helicopters. You and I are both okay with flying small helicopters because they they're cheaper to fix. But some of the folks that are heli enthusiasts. They they get to a certain level and they can't look back at the smaller ones anymore, because yeah, I, I the, the, that. because the bigger ones have so much merit to their size and the way they fly that when you go to a small one, it's like Dan said, it's way too twitchy, it's it's way all over the place. You have to move your fingers so much faster than you do when you're flying the bigger ones. Yeah. Okay. You know, like some of the moves, like you do, like I want you to try it. I mean. Don't go too crazy when you f- almost fly above you or anything like that. But you know when you when you t- Man, I haven't seven- done that in at least three to four flights. Okay, good. <laughs> That's in one day though, right? Because you do five t- to ten flights. Oh man, I've <laughs> done that in a long time. No, no, yeah, you have it. I'll let you fly the seven hundred. It has rescue. If I'll stand next to you, if you like, dude, I don't know what I'm doing, or dude, I'm freaking out. I could hit rescue twice. It'll get. 60, 70, 100 feet in the air, and then I could you can pass the transmitter over to me. Like you, we're safe; you don't have to worry about it about crashing. So, I want you to try the seven hundred and 
do your flips and like hover it inverted and kind of like, you know, high up, two, three mistakes high, but feel the difference. Okay. Because yeah, your, your 570 is still going to be what, a couple of weeks out, right? Oh, easy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So next time we fly, you can definitely um, fly to 700 and just bring it up high, flip it. Do some of the like the you know really comfortable moves that you do on all your other helis, and you'll notice that oh, oh my god, if it's so floaty, you have so much time to think about things, and all that stuff kind of contributes. Okay. So yeah. So do you have any rebuilding helis tips and stuff that we might not have covered? Just I think the the number one thing for anybody if you're working on anything really is just put a white blanket down, like you were saying, because that just stops the ball from bouncing off the table, mm-hmm. winding up on the floor, and then you can't find it. And it's just, ugh. Yeah. I always do this. I, I don't follow this rule myself all the time. And, it, it like, I drop crap on the carpet. I'm there for 30 minutes digging through every little bit of carpet, like trying to find this one, you know, 2.5 or 3 millimeter, you know, by by 6 millimeter a uh, little bolt and i'm just oh, it's such a pain in the butt and i because i mainly work on a cutting mat you know my when i'm not cutting out flight test planes i'm working on helis and it's on the same mat one of the other things i could say is if you you should keep your area kind of clean because i work in the garage and i have a concrete floor and mm-hmm. the, it's not exactly smooth but it's to the point where if i was to look for something small if you take a flashlight or whatever your i your you know your phone flashlight mm-hmm. and you put it very low to the ground and you kind of get the terrain view as you move around you can actually see i mean more shadows help you out when you're looking for stuff i've i've found a lot of stuff quicker that way sure. it's not going to help with the real small stuff but uh yeah. that, that could help people out too like when when you're looking for a stud in in the wall and you know you're looking for the spackle marks and the mm-hmm. kind of thing you got the, the the lights up close to the wall flush with yep. the wall Right, right. I think uh, I think that's about that's, wraps it up. I think that's all I got, yeah. I didn't see any news. I don't really have any news other than the latest issue of uh, of uh, your AMA, either uh, magazine, either the e-magazine or the regular magazine is out. Mm-hmm. I just got that little... Uh, yeah, I got that a couple of days ago. I, I get the actual mail copy. Yeah, and no, no, I haven't really flipped through it. I get the e-copy. Yeah, you know, I hate to bring this guy up, but uh, and I don't even know if I can say guy anymore. But I know Bruce Jenner was like really into helicopters for a while. I don't know if he still he she whatever he is now, whatever stage he's in now. I don't know if he still does that at all or or it's what. It's a every, she, I guess. At every this time point. is it? Well, I I try to be like, understanding. So if someone believes. He is a girl. Oh, then... I'm not talking belief. I'm talking, dude. Is is the surgery done? I mean, oh, I don't or not. I don't, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. But I don't care about that. Like whatever. No splitting bananas here, please. But any, oh god, I didn't have to say <laughs> that you just ruined banana splits for me for the rest of my life. <laughs> or you can edit that out. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm not. Edit it out. But I just, I was just curious because every time I see that magazine, I think that was like one of the first times I can, I can remember like seeing that magazine or one magazine like like mm-hmm. it that um he was on the cover he's flying helis and stuff and just wonder if he's still she wonder if he's still into it um i don't believe she is i think she's been 
all involved with this he she business that that is that hobby for she he <laughs> oh, so that's the new hobby i think i think it's kind of been pushed to the side um i think it'd be very i think it'd be some kind of a seeing, i mean seeing which 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 restroom i should use this particular day that must be the new hobby right? no i mean i th- <laughs> i i think uh i think she should continue to fly if she likes if that's you know if that was a hobby for him you know like why not continue even if you're transgender like who cares yeah exactly i think i think that would actually be more empowering to the the hobby because it'd be like well you know it's not just guys it's not just girls it's everyone whichever side (laughs) you are that i'm definitely editing out yeah (laughs) no i'm not editing that out either Oh boy, uh, we're gonna get some hate mail for this episode. Sorry, I mean no harm. I think I'm gonna get some like mail for this episode. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, yeah. So that, I didn't really have anything in news other than uh, the new. I don't even know what the hell that's called. The AMA magazine, like Monitors magazine, or Model magazine. I don't remember. Yeah, something like that. It's I get pretty good though. I like it. Yeah, I mean, sometimes just nice articles I look at. I do look at some of the reviews for like the the arts and stuff, the um, Horizon Hobby stuff. They'll have stuff in there, and I'll just kind of look at that and look at the article and be like, "Ooh, I'd like this plane," but you know, that's so far as I go with that. I like seeing the different models that guys have come up with, you know, because mm-hmm. everybody has the Mustang or whatever and knows what a Corsair looks like. But when you get to see some of the the less, you know known planes and now they're actually rc planes it's uh, it's pretty cool yeah yeah so. definitely yeah i like to see the section i think it's in more towards the beginning of that magazine there's like pictures of like different projects that people worked on and it gives me ideas of like oh that's a cool plane i should build that yeah, exactly cool so what's next in the hobby for you uh for me um i want to get that damn special thing ready to maiden mm-hmm. and i'm on call this weekend so i'm not sure if, how things are going to work but hopefully i can uh get down to the field with that at some point man it's supposed to be nice again this weekend it's supposed to rain all week and be nice this weekend it's exactly yeah. how i like it definitely i think saturday I, I don't i forgot which day was better but i think saturday was the worst of the two i don't About know like four degrees or something yeah, yeah, that's what I saw earlier on. Being being Mother's Day, you know, yeah, I'm not fly like Saturday. That. Yeah, right. same thing. So cool. And, and I want to finish that middle stick maybe this maybe this week. And I have that Arduino like light kit. It's like an Arduino Nano that I that I programmed up mm-hmm. to do. I'm not sure if I have landing lights, but I definitely had the orientation lights and the strobes and the beacons. And I uh, had them on some pretty powerful LEDs. I might put that in this uh, the ugly stick looking thing just f- oh. for something different. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So what's going to be up for you, man? So I, I got to finish Chloe's uh, FT Trainer rebuild. Um, I have all the papers, all the pieces stitched out. They're laying on foam board. I just got to cut them out and glue them. This is just a, the... You know, polyhedral wing, a front nose, and a power pod. I got to redo. So um, once I cut them out, it's it's like one hour. Everything's done. So I'm gonna use something different than what they had in the design for the spar, because their spar is just like a flat sheet of foam. 
okay. you know, maybe, maybe an inch uh, wide and probably about, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 inches long. I got these little rulers from like the dollar store. And it's about, you know, it's, it's a 12-inch ruler. So I'll probably use that as the main spar in the middle, like a wooden ruler. Okay. And then on the ends, then I'll, I'll use the foam for the rest of it. Um, cool. So that way I don't snap the wings because it's, you know, this is the third wing? If you do snap it, you can call it the Catholic plane or the Catholic trainer. Catholic trainer. Yeah. Bust your knuckles with a ruler. She said, yeah. Ran your knuckles. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I printed out the my Flight Fest plane in the 41.5 wingspan version and a 200% version on by 11 by 17 sheets of paper. So I just, I'm going to start stitching those together. I'm going to do the 41.5, the 41 inch wingspan one first, of course. I mean, I, I sent the picture to you. I started kind of laying out the 200% version and the tail alone was like, I don't know, like two and a half feet wide. Wow. Yeah, I don't think I can do a, a 200% version. I don't think I'd have like enough electronics and well, that's what I was saying about mine. Know? The uh, the the 100% version was 18 inch uh, elevator section, and and you know didn't when I started comparing it to the pictures, I it was like, all right, I got to cut that back a little bit. But then the 200 that means the 200% is going to be three feet. That's yeah. ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So I'm going to build the plane off the the plans the way it is right now. And then what I'm going to do is uh, I'll probably reassess and do 150%. Yeah, that'd I, be cool. You know, I, I mean, I don't, have a, I don't have room for that plane in my apartment right now. Yeah. Even the 41 and just 42-inch one is going to be kind of difficult to find a spot for because I don't have any spots for planes right now. Um, helicopters a little bit easier, you know, you could line them all up in the corner, but planes being with their vertical stabilizer and, you know, the length and the wingspan of them, they're so big, uh, just, I don't have room and yeah, you can make the, you know, the wings detachable, but then you still have the elevator and rudder, man. And right. And if they're like three feet wide, I mean, come on, how, how tall is that rudder going to be a foot and a half at least? <laughs> You know, like that's not gonna fit in any of my, um, you know, my plastic DIY plane shelf thingy that I made. <laughs> that's yeah. not gonna fit anywhere. I'm gonna have to keep it in a corner, like you know, with the nose down and the tail up, and hope that no one bumps into it. Uh, it's gonna be logistically, it's gonna be a nightmare with that. But um, but I'll build a 40 inch version. See how that goes. I'm with my standard equipment in there, which is like nine gram servos. 1,000, 1,200 kV motor I have from a quad that's sitting there. Probably run a 10, 12-inch prop, something like that. And then, uh, yeah, so I got to start doing that, though. I, I got to stitch it together. I got to figure out the wing because the plans only have half the wing on it. Yeah. So I'm going to cut one half out, flip it over on another piece of foam, trace it, cut that out. I got to figure out the airfoil design. I'm going to do a flight test inspired or basically kind of ripping off of there wing design where it be flat bottom air you know with the fold over airfoil with yep. um the last um on the 40 inch version probably last three inches will be under camber i'm gonna leave an under camber on there so that way it'll be more stable the plane that i'm building is weird that the wings 
are like dihedral, but there's a flat part in the middle. So it's like dihedral down, flat, dihedral back up. The flat part is only as wide as the fuselage. So it really is a dihedral wing, but the way it's flattened, I will have to figure out how I'm going to manage that. Okay. But then the rest of it, box fuselage, and I don't want to go too deep into it, but the other parts, yeah, I should be able to do it and it shouldn't be that big of a deal. So I'm hoping once I get the wing built, the fuselage, I should be able to build that in no time at all. The elevator and, and rudder will be super simple. Just lay it on there and trace it, cut it out, done. So hopefully in two weeks, I'll give myself to get this version, at least the airframe done. And then whatever electronics I need to order, I'll have to put in a Hobby King order for. Um, and then we'll go from there. I'll probably, I mean, I, I thought about stripping out the the FT Mustang. I built it, it flies, but it doesn't really fly that well. And I'm just like, you know, it's, I, I think it's just the landing gears I was having issues with. They were just folding in when I tried to take off at, at our field. Right. Um, so I might just use that as a donor plane. Take the okay. motor, the servos, and stuff out of there. And then... Uh, I'm going to, if the winds are low this Saturday, I'm going to bring a new plane out. What? It's a plane that I built. I, You know what triggered this? On my Facebook, memories from a year ago. Oh, jeez. We're at Green Pond, and there's a picture of all our planes, and there's this new picture of of this red plane, a new picture of the silver plane, which crashed that day, and then my dragonfly, which crashed. And I'm like... I flew the P-47 uh, balsa kit a couple times, crashed it, fixed it, crashed again, fine. I, I gave it a go, you know, like I could probably fix it again and fly it. But I never even took off with this other plane. Yeah, I think I know which one you're talking about. Yes, the Eindecker. Nice. Yes, so I'm going to, I think I'm going to bring that out this weekend. Yeah, you should, dude. You should, uh, the guys all freaking love that, man. You know. Because that's not your big, giant balsa build. That's kind of like, what is that, 36-inch wingspan, something like that? Yeah, 34, 36. It's, I mean, that's know, that's yeah. a nice little build you had there. You yeah. You it up really nice. Yeah, so, I, got a, I got a really good picture of that Yeah, somewhere. So I'm going to – I think I'm going to bring that out and for a maiden. Oh, cool, man. See how that goes. <laughs> I'm going to be bummed if I can't make it. You got to make it, dude. Just bring your work truck. Like, be prepared to leave, but still come, you know? All right. Uh, let's wrap it up then. All right, man. As far as new listeners in new countries or states, the USA, I didn't see anything, but I wanted to just say thanks for everybody that's listening to us in the United States. Um, we're always thinking about America and the United States, and uh, so thanks. <laughs> I don't Go know USA. Go USA. Yeah. So, love to have a listener in Hawaii or Alaska, though. That'd be really cool. That would be cool. There's a lot of RC folks in Hawaii. I'm I'm surprised we don't have any listeners from there. And maybe the guy in Hawaii that uh, flew his quad near the lava pit was listening, but who knows? He might have come back to New Jersey or wherever he was from. Uh, <laughs> the tourist? The tourist, yeah. Maybe yeah. he was listening. Yeah. But not until he came back to the States where we called him a douche. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, in, in countries, I don't know if I mentioned Costa Rica, but uh, gracias. For uh, listening to us in Costa Rica, I didn't say that. And I saw new. We had a couple of listeners in the Bahamas. Nice, a couple of people on vacation, man, listening to us. Yeah, that auto download subscription. Yes. What could be better? 
the drink in your hand, toes in the sand, and free fall RC. In your ears. In your ears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, we got a couple more Facebook lights. We're at a total of 169. I am going to butcher half of these names or more. So let's all have a laugh. All right. We got Keith Owens, Shane Quayle, Mark Bishop, Andrew Beecroft, Thomas oh man, Linehan. This one I'm going to really have trouble. Um, Nichol uh, Sakta. That's pretty good. Oh. I can do the last two. Sure. Those are the hard ones. William Adams and Curtis Beck. <laughs> <laughs> All oh, right. Geez. We got some Facebook comments, don't we? Yeah. Oh, I wanted to mention Brian Weller sent me a, a Facebook comment and a message and was like, you know, he heard me talking about the charging case. So, uh, yeah, I just sent him out an email today. Sorry, Brian, I didn't even respond uh, sooner. But um, I have some pictures there on Instagram. Gmail wouldn't let me send them and all the STL files that I had. And uh, so I just wanted to say thanks for your interest. I did send you the, the STL files. And anybody else that needs help with that, I mean, let me know. I'll, I'll mm-hmm. see what I can do. I had to kind of cut up the case a little bit, you know, little holders, the little slot pieces that go up and down that hold right. the the three uh little orange containers on each side yeah i had to kind of cut them back yeah Mm -hmm. a little bit to to fit the 3d printed stuff in i didn't want to do that but i was like you know what it's it's so much easier to just do that so yeah so you'll have to do that and play with that i can't wait to get mine a little bit more done because i went a totally different route than you did yeah so that'd be interesting to see the contrasting of the two different um thoughts like you know you you kind of utilize the way that the case was with the the, the um, different compartments, right? And then you three D printed parts around that, and I was just like, "Screw all of that! I want an empty case," <laughs> you know, and kind of went a different way with it. But yeah, once that should be interesting to see that to do different, you know, thought patterns on that and how it comes out. Yeah. All right, so we do not have any Podbeam shoutouts. We don't have any new people following us. But we do have an iTunes review. We do. Yes. I want you to read this. Go, okay. Kevin. You want me to read it? Because you know I screw his name up every time. <laughs> it's a it's a iTunes uh, review by Andres Liu. And uh, he says, great podcast. Started listening to you guys after we met at Neff. And then he says, I was the guy with the, the BF-109 and the P-38. And we were reading the we were laughing. We were reading the review. We were like, "Really, dude?" We were like, "We know him. We've met him." I like, think I've, I've met him like four or five times. Yeah, and I think everyone knows you at NAF. Like, <laughs> I mean, Me? no, no, knows Andres at Andres. NAF. Yeah, oh, yeah. For sure. yeah. I mean, huge hit. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the BF one hundred and nine dude was flying around last year like super slow. Mm-hmm. I mean, super slow the flaps people oh, were landing awesome. and and the the announcer was talking about it every time it went out yeah yeah and it wasn't there like another version too like it was his and there was like also like a more of an ar for maybe a balsa one that was going around too last year oh, i don't remember that yeah it had like sound on it oh no mine it wasn't a bf it was a b17 yeah that's that b17 but he, but he was flying with that i believe yeah yeah right. yeah so yeah the p38 looked great i can't wait to see it when it's completed, like this you know, this kid, dude, blew me away. Like he's taking just blueprints 
and yeah. making cross sections Is out, he of, out of foam. Yeah, because he told me okay. he did the 109 with blueprints. Uh-huh. So he's just making like cross section pieces. He's basically building a profile and then skinning it. And it's yeah. it's phenomenal. Like I I'm thought taking... he was taking like a three angle view. Well blueprints. Basically yeah. Taking... Yeah, no, top, but like just Yeah, but like not side and, and front view. But like when I think of blueprints, I think of like schematic blueprints where you see like the ribs and stuff internal, like a balsa kit. Oh like, no, see I I think of blueprints, I just think of top down and side. So just like a picture of the side, picture of the top. Yeah. 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 That's it. And he's, I can't believe he's, you know, making formers and all this stuff. Like, what a talented guy. Seriously. Yeah, I can easily see him part of flight test uh, one day maybe or something. I don't know. Yeah, or at least bringing Dollar Tree foam board. I mean, he he is bringing Dollar Tree foam board to another level. Oh, for sure, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because that P-38 was all... Dollar Tree foam. Mm-hmm. I think well, the other one he said was out of some blue foam or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. It's but yeah, this one was all Dollar Tree foam. To make the curves, he just peeled the paper off on one side and rubbed it against the corner of the table to round it off. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's amazing, amazing. Work, man. Yeah, because I've tried to do that on turtle decks. Just the turtle deck. Take off the poster board and just do foam for turtle deck, and you have to eat. You try like three, four times. You've got three, four scrap pieces mm-hmm. by the time you have one that actually fits. And his seams were amazing. Like it was, it was really good job. Yeah, it looked, yeah, it looked perfect. It looked like a kit. But he says, I have to say, I've really been enjoying this podcast as it made building a bit more interesting. Listening to episode twenty as I'm typing, keep up the great work, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. Yeah, definitely. You keep up the great work too, man. Yeah. Your stickers, uh, I was out of work. To, I didn't go to work today, so I didn't get a chance to mail them out today. But um got stickers coming for you, kid. Nice. Yeah, and uh, he's, he's the he's the uh, the young man that I always say that David gave his uh, mini vegan to. Mini and vegan. he still has it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty awesome. I still remember him and Neff. He was driving this little, like, DIY little car thing. FPV yeah, FPV thing. Thing. Yeah. yeah, just like all over the place. Yeah, he had like one. He had like a servo driving the wheel, and then I think another servo as the motor. Like yeah, without the stop in it, just continuous motion. Right, right. Servo to drive the motor. Yeah. Yep. All right. Okay. So yeah, drop us an iTunes review, and we will read it on the next episode. Also, if you're in the central New Jersey area, come join us on June 25th, Saturday, at 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. for our Freefall RC HeliFest 2016, presented by Tri-County RC Club of New Jersey. Spectators are free. You can come. Uh, we're going to have, you know, member pilots, non-members can come and fly. We are expecting to have a pilot's meet around 10 a.m. You do need a valid AMA to fly. And there is a landing fee. For registration and more info, please visit our club website at www.tcrcnj.com. We're located at 306 Old George Road, North Brunswick, 08902. If you have a... A helicopter? So, yeah, if if you have a helicopter or you're interested in watching some helicopters do some insane things, come join us. Or you just want to come out and say how much we suck. That too. I hate the podcast. But I can't stop listening. <laughs> if you want to meet, you know, Kevin and myself, Steve, and Chris Ryber will be there, too. So you get to meet him, too. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So definitely come out and join us.
If you want to contact us, you can email us at free4rc at gmail.com, facebook.com, free4rc podcast. Give us a like. We're coming close to 200. I can see the light. I can see the end of the road there. Um, or is it the beginning? Or is it the beginning? Yeah. Of 201. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like that. I like that uh, way of thinking better for sure. Um, all right. Don't forget to check out our webpage, free4rcpodcast.com. We need to add some more stuff on there. I'm going to talk to Chris about adding the Funfly, a page for the Funfly. Oh, cool. So we get a little more information there and also use that as a, a point for you know people to be able to browse through our website. Like, oh, wait, they're having a Funfly. Awesome. Um, and also be able to archive that. So if we have one next year and stuff like that, we can always refer back to the uh, previous year stuff. So. Yeah, and I'm, I have to say I'm pretty bad about posting pictures. I, I'm only posting them, like, on Facebook and Instagram. So if you want to see what we're up to, yeah. you know, check us out on Facebook and Instagram. For yeah, sure. I think Facebook and Instagram is definitely more, like, up-to-date stuff. Um, the website, we're kind of updating it as periodically, I guess you could say, especially when we do, like, events and stuff. So, um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, go say hi to Nick Simpson on the Flight Test Forums who manages our podcast uh, forum page there. Thanks, Nick. It's on the section off the field, audio and video production, other than flight test podcast, and you'll see free 4RC podcast with our fellow friends at FT Community Cast. So thank you from me and Kevin and Thanks, guys. the whole team of free 4RC podcast, uh, free our skies, and we'll see you next time. See you, guys. Peace. <laughs> awesome. Well, you have to do the old, and I'm not. It's so sad to say it's the old. Secret out. Secret out. No. You that can do that. So good. <laughs> yeah. Wait. Are you recording? Yeah. Oh, okay. Is he gay? I think so. Did, did, did Seacrest come out? I thought he was always out. No. I thought he had a really hot girlfriend. I don't know, dude. I don't know. Dude, he's unbelievable, though. That's, there's a guy that, like, he can get up in front of, like, a trillion people, dude, and be the coolest, like, guy. Him and that other guy that does The Walking Dead, The Talking Dead. Yeah. Uh, What's his what name? What the hell's his name, man? Oh, shit. Damn, I watch it every weekend, too. Uh, I don't I don't watch The Talking Dead because I always watch it delayed, so I don't I, – I keep on forgetting to record it. Chris, Chris Hardwick. Yes. And he's really cool. He's he's like does a lot of like low budget YouTube stuff, but mm-hmm. he's another one so smooth in front of like a live camera. Yeah, Just very amazing. comfortable, right? Yeah. <laughs>